The Global IP Matrix Magazine Issue 14. Front Cover Text. The Art of Fintech Patenting in India. Climate Change from a Patent Perspective, Part 3. Common Terms in Pharmaceutical Trademarks. In Hot Water, the Global Spread of Brand Restrictions. Preparing for the Unified Patent Court and Unitary Patent. Tips for the Advancement of Diversity and Inclusion in the Workplace. Plus much more inside. Ship Global IP, a rising star within the IP services industry. Juan Julian Leon, the CEO of Ship Global IP. Front cover text strip advertisement. Patent seekers. The global patent searchers. International patent and design search company. Website, www.patentseekers.com. Email. Info at patentseekers.com. Telephone plus 4416338166601. Page 2. Inside front cover advertisement. Mindsoft. Global patent solutions. Protect yourself from hidden threats. Whatever your chosen patent strategy. Mindsoft is the solution to help. Identify potential partners and licensing opportunities. Monitor market trends and key competitors. Avoid infringement and parallel development with Mindsoft's web-based patent solutions. PatBase Analytics. Legal Status Tracker. PatKM. IP Share. Visit www.mindsoft.com today to keep your business on track. Mindsoft. Global Patent Solutions. Protect yourself from hidden threats. Whatever your chosen patent strategy, Mindsoft is the solution to help. Identify potential partners and licensing opportunities. Monitor market trends and key competitors. Avoid infringement and parallel development with Mindsoft's web-based patent solutions. PatBase Analytics. Legal Status Tracker. PatKM. IP Share. Visit www.mindsoft.com today to keep your business on track. Page 3. Editor's Note and the Global IP Matrix Editorial Board Members. Dear readers. Welcome to the 14th edition of the Global IP Matrix magazine. This edition will be our final issue for 2022, which promises to deliver exclusive content from some of the industry's most knowledgeable and respected professionals keeping you informed and up-to-date with the latest developments in the global IP community today. Headlining our final special edition of the year, we are delighted to welcome Mr. Juan Julian Leon, the CEO of SHIP Global IP in Spain. Juan gives an insight into the rising success of the business and how they have gained a foothold in the market in record time by providing a 360-degree service on their technological platform. The Unified Patent Court, UPC, and Patent with Unitary Effect or Unitary Patent, UP, represent the most significant change in the European patent landscape in a generation. Newcomer to the Global IP Matrix magazine, Ms. Rachel Fetches, Patent Litigation Partner at HGF, gives guidance in preparation for the Unified Patent Court and Unitary Patent System launch, explaining what this means for European patents and European patent litigation. Ms. Laura Colada, Managing Partner at Dumont in Mexico, 
shines the spotlight on diversity and inclusion in the workplace with another interesting and insightful article for our popular women's IP World Bite Size segment. Her tips for advancing dandai and applying principles and practices for inclusion are well worth considering. As always, we must thank all our amazing clients for giving their time to share their jurisdictional and international industry knowledge in our magazine for all our readers globally. Ms. Elvin Hassan. Editor and Head of International Liaisons. The Global IP Matrix Magazine Editorial Board. Gabriella Bodden, Partner at Airpoint, www.airpoint.com, Costa Rica. Marek Berry Managing Partner and Patent Attorney at Berry and Berry, www.bnb-ip.eu, Poland. Mr. Afimafuna Francis Noikidu, Principal Counsel of Stillwaters Law Firm, www.stillwaterslaw.com, Nigeria. Ms. Brenda Matano, Managing Attorney and Head of Practice at B. Matano IP Attorneys for Africa, www.matanga.com, Zimbabwe. Ms. Laura Castillo, Partner at Inventiva Espacio Legal, www.inventivalegal.com, Dominican Republic. Ms. Ruta Ullman, immediate past president of ECTA and associate partner of Metida www.metida.lt, Latvia. Page 4. The magazine contents page. Patent news and stories. Page 9. Preparing for the Unified Patent Court and Unitary Patent. Rachel Fetches, Patent Litigation Partner, HGF, London, UK. Page 14. Protection of Graphical User Interfaces, GUIs, and User Experience Designs, UXs, in Sri Lanka. Sandamali Kotaki, LLM, Colombo, Mayor, Colombo, LLB, Colombo, Attorney at Law and Partner, Julius and Creasy, Colombo 3, Sri Lanka. Page 17. The Art of Fintech Patenting in India. Written by Dr. Joshita Devarkemani. Managing Partner and Principal Attorney at Law at L.S. Devar & Co., India. Page 21. Climate Change. From a Patent Perspective, Part 3. Claire Gibson, Senior Patent Analyst and Daniel D.I. Francesco, IP Manager at Patent Seekers, UK. Page 27. Maneuvering Your GCC Filing Strategy, A Fresh Look at the UAE Patent Ecosystem. Divyendu Verma and ADV. Afan Nawaz Khan, Audirivox, Dubai UAE. Women's IP World Segment. Page 33. Tips for the advancement of diversity and inclusion in the workplace. Laura Coleda, Managing Partner at Dumont, Mexico. Intellectual Property Industry. Page 37. Ship Global IP, a rising star within the IP services industry. The Global IP Matrix magazine interviews Mr. Juan Julian Leon, the CEO of Ship Global IP in Spain. Page 41. Notable developments related to false and misleading advertisements in India. Anshul Sunil Saurastri, partner, Krishna and Saurastri Associates LLP, India. Trademark News and Stories. Page 44. Understanding and application of the trademark infringement judgment standard. Ray ZHAO, LL, M, senior partner, 
head of the international trademark team, attorney at law and trademark attorney at Unitalan Attorneys at Law, China. Page 47. James Bond bows down to gems, Delhi High Court's take on trademark infringement in a decade-long suit. Manisha Singh, partner and Malia Sri Sridharan, associate partner at Lexorbis, India. Page 51. Common terms in pharmaceutical trademarks. Marietta Flores, IP lawyer and Kelly Sanchez, IP lawyer, OMC Abogados and Consultors, Peru. Conference Corner Segment. Page 55. In Hot Water, The Global Spread of Brand Restrictions. Mercruz Valenia, Ideas Trademark and Patents, Iscazu, Costa Rica. Mariela de la Guardia, Icosa, Gonzalez Ruiz, Anolemon, Panama City, Panama. Eliza Triceri, Studio Torta S, P. A., Torino, Italy. John Rudolph, Eli Lilly and Company, Indianapolis, Indiana, USA. Members of INTA's Brand Restrictions Committee. Page 59. IP Week in Singapore 2022. IP Week at SG 2022. Page 63. IP Service World 2022, 12th edition. Elena Backhouse, Senior Project Manager Sales, Management Circle AG and Daniela Bopp, Senior Conference Manager, Management Circle AG, Germany. Page 5. Half-page advertisement. Johansson and Langlois. Attorneys at Law slash Intellectual Property. 1945. Patents, trademarks, industrial design, geographical indications, and appellations of origin, copyright, domain names, infringement of industrial and intellectual property rights, unfair competition and consumers' rights protection, innovation and technology transfer. Experience in action. Chile. Email, mail at jl.cl. Telephone, 562-2231-2424. Address, San POX, 2460, 11th floor, Santiago, Chile. Website, www.jl.cl. Same page. Published by Northern's Media PR and Marketing Limited. Carlos Northern. CEO and founder at Northern's Media PR and Marketing Limited. Publisher of the Global IP Matrix and Women's IP World. Carlos at northernspmarketing.com. Elvin Hassan. Editor for the Global IP Matrix and Women's IP World and head of international liaisons for Women's IP World. Elvin at womensipworld.com. Sarah Godoy. Senior Account Manager. Northern's IP Media PR and Marketing Limited. Publishers of the Global IP Matrix Magazine. And Women's IP World. Sarah at northernsprmarketing.com. Craig Barber. Head of Design for the Global IP Matrix and Women's IP World. Info at northernsprmarketing.com. Ashling Lenehan. Marketing and Creative Design. Northern's IP Media PR and Marketing Limited. Publisher of the Global IP Matrix Magazine. And the Women's IP World Annual. Ashling at northernsprmarketing.com. Disclaimer, all images in the articles are provided by authors and upsplash.com, Pixbay.
Dot.com cleanpng.com and pexels.com. Page 6. Contributors to the Global IP Matrix Magazine Issue 14. Laura Coleda, Managing Partner at Dumont, Mexico. Claire Gibson, Senior Patent Analyst at Patent Seekers, UK. Ray Zhao, LLM, Senior Partner, Head of the International Trademark Team, Attorney at Law and Trademark Attorney at Unitalan Attorneys at Law. China. Manisha Singh, partner, Lexorbis, India. Juan Julian Leon, CEO of Ship Global IP, Spain. Marietta Flores, IP lawyer, OMC Abogados, and Consultors, Peru. Daniel Di Francesco, IP manager at Patent Seekers, UK. Rachel Fetches, patent litigation partner and head of law, HGF, London, UK. Malia Sri Sridharan, Associate Partner, Lex Orbis, India. Anshul Sunil Saurastri, Partner at Krishna and Saurastri Associates LLP, India. Dr. Joshita Deva Kemani, Managing Partner and Principal Attorney at Law, L.S. Deva & Co., India. Kelly Sanchez, IP Lawyer at OMC Abogados & Consultors, Peru. Sandamali Kotaki, Attorney at Law and Partner, Julius and Creasy, Sri Lanka. Divyendu Verma, Head of the Patent Department, Audiri Vox, UAE. Elena Backhaus, Senior Project Manager Sales, Management Circle AG, Germany. Mercruz Valenia, Ideas Trademark and Patents, Iscazu, Costa Rica. Mariela de la Guardia, Icosa, Gonzalez Ruiz and Olemon, Panama City, Panama. Afan Nawaz Khan, Legal Associate, Audiri Vox, Dubai UAE. Eliza Triceri, Studio Torta S, P, A, Torino, Italy. Daniela Bopp, Senior Conference Manager, Management Circle AG, Germany. Dr. John Rudolph, Eli Lilly and Company, Indianapolis, Indiana, USA. Page 7. Quarter and Half Page Advertisements. First quarter page advertisement. Mark Inventor Intellectual Property Services. Your intellectual property agent in Eastern Europe and Asia. European patent and trademark attorneys. Trademarks, patents, assignment, industrial designs, opinions, oppositions, patent annuities, renewal designs, renewal trademarks. Contact details. Mark Inventor Company. Limited. Intellectual Property Services. Glinska Ulica 14. 1000 Ljubljana. Slovenia. Phone, plus 386-1-426-6503. Fax, plus 386-1-251-0508. Phone, plus 386-1-540-4331. Fax, plus 386-1-524-3118. Email, office at mark-inventor.si. Website, www.mark-inventor.com. Same page. Second quarter page advertisement. Deep and far attorneys at law since 1992. IP Right Prosecution and Litigation Corporate Legal and Consulting IP Value Added Services. Focus, Patents, Trademarks, Copyrights, 
trade secrets, unfair competition licensing, counseling, litigation, transaction. Territories, Taiwan, mainland China, Hong Kong, and Macau. Fields, mechanics, chemistry, pharmacy, biology, electronics, optics, telecommunications, and computer sciences since 1992. Address, 13 Teach Floor, 27, Sector 3, Chung San N, Road, Taipei, Taiwan. Telephone, 886-2-2585668867 Fax, 886-2-2598-990025978989 Email, email at deepnfar.com.tw Website, www.deepnfar.com.tw Same page, half-page advertisement United Trademark and Patent Service Intellectual Property Attorneys your reliable partners for intellectual property matters in Pakistan, South Asia, Arabian Gulf Middle East and Africa. Trademark, patent, design, copyright, domain name registration, litigation and enforcement law. Regional Head Office. Suites 401-402, Old Hawaii Tower, Sheikh Zayed Road, Dubai, UAE. Telephone plus 971-4. 3437544 Intellectual property law, anti-counterfeiting and anti-piracy operations, litigation, media law, advertising law, corporate and commercial law, competition law, pharmaceutical law. Main office. 72 Velika Vasilkivska Street, 03150, Kiev, Ukraine. Telephone plus 380-44-593-9693. Fax plus 380-4445-14048. Email, pakarenko at pakarenko.com.ua Website, pakarenko.ua Page 9. Article. Disclaimer, images relating to this article can only be seen in the print and digital versions of this magazine. Preparing for the Unified Patent Court and Unitary Patent. Written by Rachel Fetches, Patent Litigation Partner, HGF, London, UK www.hgf.com. What is the new system? The Unified Patent Court, UPC, and Patent with Unitary Effect or Unitary Patent, UP, represent the most significant change in the European patent landscape in a generation. The UPC is a supranational common patents court in Europe operating across the various European Union, EU, member states that have ratified the UPC Agreement, RMS. When it launches, patentees will be able to validate a UP designation encompassing all of those RMS who have joined at that time. Once granted, UPS will be enforceable across multiple jurisdictions in Europe in a single action. Existing European patents will become subject to the UPC's jurisdiction and, unless opted out, can be enforced or revoked through the UPC. Under the European Patent Convention, EPC, 
38 countries, plus extension states, can be designated and validated at national patent offices. The UPC system has been agreed upon between 24 of the 27 EUMS, of them, 17 EUMS will have ratified the UPC agreement, UPCA, at the launch date. Non-EU EPC countries like the UK and Switzerland cannot participate in the UPC. When is the new system starting? The UPC is expected to launch in Q1 2023. The German government must deposit its ratification of the UPCA, which will trigger the launch of the UPC about three months later. Point one: This will happen when all the RMS are confident that the UPC system is ready to start. During the provisional phase, two, the UPC Preparatory Committee has finalized the procedural rules for the conduct of proceedings, three, the finances and IT systems for the court. The potential UPC judges have been interviewed, and the appointments of approximately 90 UPC judges are expected to be announced from September 2022. What does this mean for European patents? The Prosecution of European Patents, EPS, through the European Patent Office, EPO, will remain essentially unchanged. The central nine-month post-grant EPO opposition procedure will be unaffected. What will change is the availability of a unitary right across the relevant UPC countries. For EP applications pending when the UPC goes live, it will be possible to request a patent with unitary effect in all RMS within one month of the grant point for this will sit alongside any validations in other EPC countries outside the UPC. The request for the UP must be accompanied by a full translation of the specification. Under the EU regulation, if the prosecution was in French or German, the translation must be in English. If the prosecution was in English, then the translation can be provided in any official EU language, e.g., Spain. There is no official fee for validating a UP, and renewal fees will be paid centrally to the EPO. The level of fees has been set at a level equivalent to paying renewals in the top four validation countries for EPS. For patentees who validate widely now, the UP will be simpler to administer and more cost-effective. As the UP is a unitary right, there is no ability to selectively drop countries to reduce the renewal fee. The UP is also subject to the exclusive jurisdiction of the UPC and must be enforced in the UPC courts. It can also be revoked centrally in a single action before the UPC. The unitary nature of the right also has an impact on transfers of the UP. Patentees should also check the applicable law and the impact of the UPC on agreements. What does this mean for European patent litigation? The new court system is a significant change to the European patent. The case law, willingness to grant preliminary measures, and to what extent the UPC will be a patentee-friendly forum will take at least two to three years to gauge. It is anticipated that there will be test cases, requests for referrals to the Court of Justice of the European Union, CJEU and challenges to determine the scope of the UPC's legal status and jurisdiction. There is, however, real determination to make the UPC work and become the forum of choice for patent litigation in the EU. The most attractive feature of the UPC for patentees is the potential to obtain a pan-UPC injunction that will prevent infringement across multiple jurisdictions and award damages incurred. For would-be defendants seeking to clear the way or counterclaim for revocation, the most attractive feature is the availability of a central revocation in a single action.
UPC proceedings can run in parallel to ongoing opposition proceedings. The UPC's Court of First Instance, CFI, contains local and regional divisions that will deal with infringement, provisional and protective measures, and can hear counterclaims for revocation. The Central Division based in Paris and Munich will hear revocation actions and declarations of non-infringement actions. Point five, the Court of Appeal will be in Luxembourg, and for substantive decisions of the CFI, the appeal is as of right. As with other courts located in the EU, the UPC courts will make referrals to the CJEU on points of law. Proceedings in the UPC are front-loaded, with an emphasis on written submissions and evidence. In keeping with the aim to provide a cost-effective, quick forum for patent litigation, the timetable for most actions is set to achieve a trial and decision in about 12 months. Currently, where there are parallel pan-European actions, the different litigation tools and tactics are only available in national proceedings. The UPC's rules of procedure provide a toolbox for litigators, drawing on a mixture of civil and common law procedures and remedies, all available in a single action. Parties can request seizures of evidence, disclosure and adduce experiments, factual evidence, and expert evidence, which can be orally cross-examined. Cases will be managed by a judge reporter, with preliminary and interim hearings. Trials will usually be heard before a multinational panel of at least three UPC judges, both legally and technically qualified judges will be allocated depending on the type of action. Infringement actions will also offer the ability to capture multiple infringements across borders and may also allow patentees to prevent infringement of method or process claims where the individual integers are used in different jurisdictions by defendants working together. There is a degree of cost shifting to the losing party but on a scaled basis. Can I opt out of the new system? When the UPC goes live, all granted EPS and SBCs based on the EPS, will be subject to the jurisdiction of the UPC. Because the UPC represents such a significant change to European patent litigation, there is a transitional phase allowing the opt-out of existing EPS and SBCs. EPS, not opted out will be subject to both the UPC and National Patent Court's jurisdiction, which, if litigated, might need some careful thought about the choice of forum. There is a nervousness about the predictability of UPC judgments in the initial years. The ability of a challenger to seek a central revocation of the patent in a 12-month timeframe is potentially a significant threat. Depending on the business's attitude to risk, revenue model, exclusive versus multiple non-exclusive licensees, and confidence in the patent portfolio's strength, decisions must be made about opting out. There are two distinct phases where an opt-out can be filed, the Sunrise opt-out is available for three months before the UPC starts, and the transitional opt-out is available for at least seven years.6 after the UPC starts, if the business wants to ensure that an EP isn't subject to the UPC's jurisdiction, it will need to take advantage of the Sunrise phase to file an application to opt-out. Any opt-out entered onto the UPC's opt-out registered during the Sunrise phase will not be subject to the UPC's jurisdiction unless the opt-out is withdrawn. An opt-out can be filed during the transitional phase, provided no litigation has been initiated at the UPC. The opt-out can only be filed by the proprietors of the European patent. This is a substantive test. The Preparatory Committee amended the final draft of the ROPE to state that all proprietors in all EPC states must make the opt-out, 
irrespective of whether the EPC territory is participating, or could ever participate, in the UPC. This amendment is likely to increase the complexity of applying to opt-out, so while there is no court fee, there will be time and costs associated with filing the opt-out. If there is more than one proprietor, all proprietors must agree to file the opt-out. In some circumstances, the ownership position may be clear and filing an opt-out will be reasonably straightforward. In other instances, complex or unclear ownership arrangements could make due diligence difficult and costly. While some patentees are taking a cautious approach, others are using a risk-based strategy that protects the crown jewels. It is important to remember that the opt-out is effective when entered onto the register and not before. If litigation is filed with the UPC before the opt-out is entered onto the register, it will not be accepted. What should I be thinking about now? The UPC will likely become a reality in Q1 2023, with the sunrise phase opening three months before. Businesses need to consider their strategy on the opt-out for existing EPS. If their ops cost savings and or enforcement options would be advantageous, then businesses should request a UP for existing or future EP applications. Suppose there is an ongoing European opposition or potential dispute looming. In that case, patentees should consider whether the UPC system can be used to their advantage or if a third party could bring proceedings in a forum that is less favourable. Many businesses have already considered the UPC system for their patent filing and enforcement strategies. For those who haven't, now is the time to consider the legal impact of the UPC. Page 13. Conference Advertisement. The Global IP Matrix. Official Media Partner. Come and visit our booth at the event in San Francisco. 2022 AIPP I World Congress. San Francisco. September 10 to 13, 2022. San Francisco is a fast-paced metropolis in beautiful Northern California, in a region known as the Bay Area, where technology companies, medical device manufacturers, pharma companies and successful start UPS thrive under the direction of some of the most innovative minds in the world. San Francisco, the city by the bay, welcomes you to the 2022 AIPPI World Congress. 125th Anniversary Sponsorship and 2022 Congress Sponsorship Prospectus are available. More information on www.aippi.org. Page 14. Article. Protection of graphical user interfaces, GUIs, and user experience designs, UXs, in Sri Lanka. Written by Sandamali Kotaki, LLM, Colombo, Mayor, Colombo, LLB, Colombo, Attorney at Law and Partner, Julius and Creasy, Colombo 3, Sri Lanka. Graphical user interfaces, GUIs, are an integral part of a computer program or software product. It is the visual aspect with which the end user interacts, thus comprising of colors and designs. Lately, user experience designs, UXs, have gained importance as more and more software developers focus on giving their users a unique user experience in addition to the visual aspect. This helps companies compete with similar products in the market by providing customers with an improved, different experience than competitors. Whilst UX designs also use graphical features, what distinguishes them from GUIs is the feeling the user experiences when interacting with the interface. 
This user experience may consist of both aesthetic and functional features. Therefore, the type of intellectual property protection available for such features may vary on the degree type of creativity and the jurisdiction. The IT industry in Sri Lanka is a fast-growing, lucrative field with the potential for carving a niche for Sri Lanka in the high-value-added software product development. Despite the intense competition in the region, Sri Lanka commands a strategic advantage over them due to the high literacy level and abundance of interest in students pursuing IT-related studies, producing highly skilled professionals. Therefore, IP protection in this technology field is current and vital now more than ever. The Intellectual Property Act No. 36 of 2003, the Act, is the single most important piece of legislation governing this area. The Act does not, however, provide specifically for GUIs or UXs. The only provisions dealing with computer-related inventions are in relation to copyright protection. The Act states that a computer program is a work protected under copyrights, Section 6. It defines a computer program as a set of instructions expressed in words, codes, schemes or in any other form, which is capable, when incorporated in a medium that the computer can read, of causing a computer to perform or achieve a particular task or result, Section 5. Under fair use provisions, Section 12, even the private reproduction of a computer program in a single copy for personal purposes is prohibited unless it is for the purpose and extent of authorized use of the program or archival purposes. Therefore, there is somewhat stricter protection for computer programs under copyright laws compared to other protected works. The problem, however, is whether GUIs, and UXs, being interaction interfaces, can be considered a computer program within the Act's meaning. What is noteworthy here is that for a computer to do anything meaningful, it requires instructions in the form of codes processed by the computer operating system. When written using various programming languages to execute a task, these codes form a part of the computer program. Therefore, in order to display the GUI, there is an underlying code sending the instructions to the computer operating system, and these codes are protectable under copyrights. For example, the position of a button or a hyperlink in its design and colors are all backed or written in code. However, when taken as a whole, these codes are protected only so far as they meet the originality requirement under copyrights. In addition to the copyright protection, the overall visual appearance of ornamental features can be protected as an industrial design under the Act. This is similar to design patents in the US. The Act defines an industrial design as any composition of lines or colors or any three-dimensional form, whether or not associated with lines or colors, that gives a special appearance to a product of industry or handicraft and is capable of serving as a pattern for a product of industry or handicraft, section 30. The overall look and feel of the software, including the GUIs and UXs, can therefore be protected under this part, provided they are novel. As copyrights protect the expression, not the idea, and industrial designs protect the visual aspect, not the functions, these do not protect against redesigns with the same underlying function but a very different appearance. That said, it can nonetheless be an effective initial means of protection for the appearance of the GUIs and UXs. In addition to the above, UXs touch on a more complex aspect of the software, i.e., the experience. This is an emerging field in the industry that legislators did not anticipate, even more so in relation to patents. For example, 
If the user experience of a GUI has the effect of saving time through a shortened path to complete a transaction, this is a functional aspect. Patents protect the functional aspects of an invention, such as what something does, how something works etc. The act requires global novelty, inventive step and industrial applicability as conditions for granting a patent, sections 64-65. However, Sri Lanka does not have a petty patent system, and as such, the standard required for a patent is normally high with regard to the inventive step. Another problem with patenting computer-related inventions is that the Act neither provides nor prohibits patenting of software. However, in practice, the National IP Office of Sri Lanka requires the software to be associated with a hardware component to prove a technical improvement. The Act also provides additional protection for all intellectual property types and beyond, under unfair competition, which prohibits any act or practice carried out or engaged in in the course of industrial or commercial activities that is contrary to honest practices, section 160. This provides broader protection against copying, among other things, regardless of the registration status of intellectual property. In the above circumstances, IP protection for GUIs and UXs can be stronger as part of a combined portfolio with copyrights, industrial designs, and patents subject to meeting the originality novelty and inventiveness necessary for each right. Page 16. Full page advertisement. Stillwater's law firm. People, integrity, service. Nigeria, Angola, OAPI. Safeguarding IP in Africa. Services. Intellectual property, media, entertainment, technology, sports and litigation. 2nd Floor, 11 Awalowo Road, Ikoyi, Lagos. P.O. Box 56161, Ikoyi, 101008, Lagos, Nigeria. Tell, 234-0-145-4779 or 234-0-146-0547-1 or 234-0-145-4919. Email info at stillwaterslaw.com or admin at stillwaterslaw.com. www.stillwaterslaw.com. Page 17. Article. The Art of Fintech Patenting in India. Written by Dr. Joshita Devar Kemani, Managing Partner and Principal Attorney at Law, at LS, Devar & Co., India. www.lsdevar.com. The term fintech has been around us for a long time as it has been seen as a rapidly advancing technology in recent times and has become a multitude of new players in the industry. At a global level, there are vast arrays of fintech non-bank companies in both B2B and B2C spaces that emphasize the areas of lending, credits and payments, investments and trading, wealth management and compliances predominantly. However, fintech, besides banking and financial institutions, has also developed its possibilities in other sectors and industries such as education, retail banking, fundraising, investment management, etc. The ease of business via this disruptive technology has attracted significant research and innovation in this area, which resulted in an increased filing of fintech patents. It can be seen that 3,909 enterprises from 33 countries filed 14,706 fintech patents by the end of 2021. Among the top 100 list, 48 enterprises came from China, 
covering traditional finance, fintech, internet, e-commerce, technology, and telecommunications. Apart from the global giants, Indian digital payment companies such as Paytm, Mobiquip, PhonePE, and FreeCharge, are all UPI-enabled and strengthening their market game. Mobile payments to date have witnessed several investments. Fintech patent proposals must meet industry standards such as improved network security for a financial transaction, innovative interface, enhanced computer resource use, increased reliability in network traffic speed, etc. Patentability of fintech patents. The different jurisdictions worldwide are especially critical of granting fintech patent applications in their recent decisions. The basis of such decisions is that the invention is not patent-eligible subject matter since it is directed to a judicial exception. In the United States, patent protection for software-related inventions is limited to those on recordable media, not to computer programs themselves. This protection falls short when it comes to the online distribution of software. In Europe, the European Patent Convention, EPC, Articles 2, C, and 3, states that a computer program claimed, as such is excluded from patentability. But an appeal by IBM, case number T117397, before the Board of Appeals for the European Patent Office provided useful guidance. The board stated that a narrow reading of the relevant articles meant that not all computer programs should be excluded from patentability to comply with Article 27 of the TRIPS Agreement, which deals with the patentable subject matter. The Indian Perspective Under the provision Section 3, K, of the Patent Act, mathematical methods, business methods, computer programs per se and algorithms are not considered patentable inventions. In relation to computer programs, the law provides a qualification that what is not patentable is only computer programs per se. Rule 09.03.05.10 of Manual of Patent Office Practice and Procedure, 2010 and Revised Guidelines for Examination of Computer-Related Inventions, CRIS, 2017 have specifically clarified the permissible form of claim explanation and the requirements concerning the software. Claims directed at computer program products are computer program per se stored in a computer-readable medium and as such are not allowable. If a claim in a patent application is not directed at a computer program per se, it could be patentable if all other patentability conditions are met. This provision thus necessitates distinguishing computer programs per se from different types of inventions that use or implement computer programs. The computer programs are often claimed in the form of algorithms as method claims or system claims with some means indicating the function of flow charts or process steps. Essentially, all computer programs need a combination with some hardware for their functionality. In an application for a patent for a new hardware system, the possibility of a computer program forming part of the claims cannot be ruled out. It must be carefully considered how integrated the novel hardware is with the computer program. Further, it is also to be considered whether the machine is program-specific or the program is machine-specific. A computer program which may work on any general-purpose known computer does not meet the requirement of patentability. Method claims, whether independent or dependent, reciting computer programs without process limitations in the form of hardware features are not allowable. For a method reciting a computer program to be patentable, it must clearly recite limiting hardware integers that enable the program to function. 
claims directed at computer programs coupled to hardware, enabling the hardware to perform a certain function, may be allowable if such an invention meets all other conditions of patentability. In India, the world's third-largest fintech market, as of 2021, the number of patent applications relating to fintech rose to 617, up from 462 in 2019 and 453 in 2020. Among these were patent applications for blockchain partial ledgers, system and method for controlling digital assets, escrow personalization systems and audible machine-readable code. The recent patent grant 376939 on September 2021 suggests that the Indian Patent Office also allows such applications, which could be construed to be directed to a business method by a few. The patent application number 2020410 for 7787 is related to the system and method for validation of authenticity of an authorized user for monetary transaction. The invention validates the authenticity of users, and more particularly, a system and method for validation of the authenticity of an authorized user for a monetary transaction, thereby falling under the purview of CI guidelines. The case law of Farid Ulani v. Union of India and Oz, 2019, has elaborated on software patenting and iterated that most inventions are based on computer programs and it would be retrograde to argue that all such inventions would not be patentable. In light of the humble Delhi High Court's direction that the guidelines for the grant of patents relating to the computer-related inventions are to be considered, along with the settled judicial precedents for granting the patent, as well as the fact that the present invention provides at least the aforesaid technical effects defined by CRI guidelines, the patent ought to be granted. Therefore, without appreciating the technical effect produced by the present invention, the mere fact that a computer program is used for effectuating a part of the present invention does not provide a bar to patentability. Amidst the recent positive approach in allowing fintech inventions by the IPO, the practice still lacks inconsistency regarding the allowability of fintech patents. For instance, the application number 2020210-49279 is directed to an invention regarding a system for real-time payment using random facial gestures. As per the first examination report, FER, of the Patent Office, the invention was not found to be patentable on the grounds of Clause, K, of Section 3. This suggests that further harmonization of practice is required to examine fintech-based applications. Even if an invention employs software or algorithms for controlling the steps for achieving the desired result effect, having a sufficiently qualified technical character does not make it eligible for exclusion from patentability. Thus, the invention must be examined as a whole, and the following factors are to be considered while deciding upon the patentability of such inventions. Technical effect achieved by it, and its Technical contribution If the invention demonstrates a technical effect or a technical contribution, it is patentable even though it may be based on a computer program. A similar ruling was laid down in the case of Enneken India Limited. V. Alois Wobben 2010, where an objection under Section 3, K, was taken to a computer program invented for a better power output through wind turbines. The court, noting that wind turbines cannot be controlled manually and require advanced computer technology for the same, stated that such a computer program carrying out a technical process such as controlling the wind turbine to achieve a maximum power output could not be called a computer program per se. 
It was also elaborated that the invention was not merely computer software per se or a set of rules or procedures like algorithms. Thus, its patentability cannot be objected to in the invention. According to the court, such an invention would not fall under the objection arising from Section 3, K, of the Patents Act when the patent claim only comprises some process steps to carry out a technical process or achieve a technical effect. Suppose claims comprise some process steps to carry out a technical process or achieve a technical effect. In that case, they cannot be regarded as computer program per se or a set of rules of procedure like an algorithm. Generally, any fintech innovation that involves improved technological functionality or produces a tangible result can be considered a patent-eligible subject matter. Conclusion In a general sense, any fintech innovation that involves improved technological functionality or produces a tangible result can be considered a patent-eligible subject matter. It is essential in patenting fintech innovation to craft a well-articulated claim set and detailed description that demonstrates how the novel fintech technology proves computer functionality and or employs a technical solution to a known technical issue and includes a clear and thorough analysis and description of all systems, subsystems, and components that implement this proprietary process or method. Same page. Quarter page advertisement. Chandrakant M. Joshi leading Indian IPR law firm. Established in 1968. Solitaire, 11, 7th floor, OPP, Infinity Mall, Link Road, Malad, West, Mumbai, 1 400, 064 India. Telephone plus 9122, 28, 88, 68 58. Fax plus 9122, 28, 88, 68 59. Email, patents at cmjoshi.com. Website, www.cmjoshi.com Practice Areas Patents and Trademark Search, Patent and Trademark Watch, Registration, Post-Registration and Infringement Act For Patent Trademarks, Design and Copyright Translation of Patent Specification Franchise and Joint Venture Agreements, Cyber Law, Mergers and Acquisitions Contact Person Mr. Hirold Chandrakant Joshi Page 20 Full-page advertisement. L.S. Devar and Company since 1932. Protecting innovation since 1932. Intellectual property law firm. Patents, trademarks, designs, copyright, and trade secrets. Website, www.lsdevar.com. Email, mail info at lsdevar.in. Telephone, plus 91, 0, 332, 357. 1010 20 facts plus 91 0 332 357 1018 kolkata delhi bangalore guwahati page 21 article disclaimer images and reference links relating to this article can only be seen in the digital and print versions of this magazine climate change from a patent perspective part 3 written by claire gibson Senior Patent Analyst and Daniel D.I. Francesco, IP Manager at Patent Seekers, UK. Thus far, we have published two articles on climate change, providing an overview of the issues, highlighting how technology is adapting to the rising crisis and how this is reflected within intellectual property. In the final installment of our three-part series, 
We will round out the discussion by looking into small changes we can all make to reduce our environmental footprint and what the future of climate management may look like in the coming years. The issue of plastic pollution is a global problem and is particularly prevalent in developing nations where recycling systems may be limited or non-existent. Plastics, formed of synthetic polymers, can take hundreds of years to break down, which is especially worrying as these materials are often utilized in single-use disposable items. Synthetic fibers have been utilized in clothing since the 1930s, corresponding with the invention of nylon. During the typical washing cycle, these garments will shed thousands of microfibers that inevitably end up in the ocean, from which they may find their way into our food and drinks. The below chart tracks the use of classification D03D15283 synthetic polymer-based, e.g., polyamide or polyester fibers, within patent applications, denoting synthetic polymer-based woven fabrics. The results for 2021 are likely to be higher due to the 18-month delay in the publication cycle. Figure 1, created using Patworld. Appreciating the fact that it is unlikely an outright ban of these products will occur, environmentally conscious consumers have options available to reduce the level of microfiber pollution from their washing machine cycles. One such method is to install a microfiber filter on your washing machine. These filters can be retrofitted to machines where they will sit within the waste flow path and prevent microplastic fibers from reaching the waterways and into our oceans. From a residential standpoint, these devices could be seen as too expensive for the average consumer and may require specialist installation. Cheaper alternatives can involve putting objects into the washing machine drum to collect microfibers before they reach the waste flow during the wash cycle. Commercially available options include the Guppifriend TM, US 201803-20306, a mesh bag which holds the clothes during the wash cycle and traps the shed microfibers, and the Corable, W02017173215, a laundry ball with a coral structure which traps around 25% of released microfibers. Another area of daily life that is associated with a large carbon footprint is the choice of milk that we use. With the veganism movement reaching new levels in the social consciousness, a range of dairy alternatives has been released to capitalize on this growing market. It is noted that almost a quarter of British consumers choose plant-based milk. Figure 2, below, displays the number of patent applications in classification A23C1100, diary substitutes, by territory. Figure 2 shows that although this technology area is relatively small, it has a global reach. Fig. 2. Created using Patworld. The most popular and accessible type of milk is cow's milk, however, this also has the most significant environmental impact. Compared with the typical non-dairy milk alternatives, the production of cow's milk can require nine times as much land and produce three times as much carbon emissions. The driving force behind the disparity between cow's milk production and others is cattle use compared to other animals or plants. Cattle are responsible for emitting 14.5% of all global greenhouse gases, mainly due to the release of methane. In terms of livestock, goat's milk is the next most popular. Compared to cows, goats take up less space and require less water. However, the two livestock options have similar environmental impacts when comparing the impact of the farming operations. 
Nut or plant-based dairy alternatives have seen a significant increase in popularity over recent years, with almond, soy and oat milk being readily available in most supermarkets and offered as options in most coffee shops. Although initially seen as an alternative for consumers who may be intolerant to lactose, consumers are increasingly choosing non-dairy alternatives for their environmental impact. Almond milk has a significantly lower carbon footprint and land usage than other milk, however, its water consumption and pesticide use have other environmental implications. Soy milk is typically the most accessible dairy alternative. This alternative emits less than a third of the carbon emissions of cows and requires little pesticide and water. The major risk factor associated with soy farming is deforestation of the Amazon, as they need warm weather for growth. Oat milk is seen to be the most sustainable option as a milk substitute. Compared to other plant-based milk, it requires less water and land, while its potential for growth in colder climates means it can be grown in the US and Canada where deforestation isn't a common occurrence. There is a growing innovation in the milk and dairy substitution field, where plant-based alternatives such as pulses, oilseeds, nuts etc., are being utilized instead of classic dairy. In fact, the social consciousness is moving toward plant-based diets, ranging from veganism, pescetarianism and vegetarianism, to non-categorized diets in which the individual chooses to limit the intake of particular foods. Simple choices such as the type of milk we use can contribute to our individual carbon footprint and therefore contribute towards the battle against climate change. However, there is an argument that these individualistic choices, although contributing positively, may have no wider significant impact on climate change as companies' pollution on a large scale would need to be altered to achieve real change. Another example of environmentally conscious choices we can make outside of our dietary choices is the evaluation of the household products we opt to use in our daily lives. For example, as the social and environmental opinion changes, organizations are recognizing this and are either adapting their products to become more environmentally friendly or are creating new products entirely, enabling them to offer the unique selling point of ecologically conscious products. We are even witnessing organizations solely focusing on the environment. When we discuss non-dairy products, organizations such as Alpro not only offer dairy-free substitutes, but they also responsibly source packaging where their packaging is claimed to be 100% plant-based, and by 2025 they have promised all of their packs will be 100% recyclable. 1. Bleach London, a hair care company, creates plastic packaging for their products made from recycled plastic. Their product range is vegan and PETA-certified cruelty-free, thus appealing to an environmentally and animal rights-focused conscious. The cosmetics and health and beauty company Lush are activists in ethical working, fair trade, and animal rights. All their products are tested on human volunteers instead of animals in the fight against animal cruelty. They also offer handmade products in personal spaces that are entirely vegetarian and claim their product range is currently 95% vegan, too. And the list is non-exhaustive. But what we can observe from such companies is the rise in the ethical sourcing of materials with a focus on carbon emission and recyclability, the emphasis on creating vegetarian and vegan products, predominantly plant-based, alongside the removal of animal cruelty via testing of its products, wherein such companies are becoming prominent within our conscious and within the high street. If we consider changes we can make outside of household products, 
we have witnessed a movement from office space to home working. Many organizations are now progressively offering home working, which many people are looking for now. Hybrid options are also offered. A range of flexible working options is now available where workers are happy with their ability to select the most comfortable working options. Needless to say, this working situation is not available in all sectors due to the nature of the work. For example, farmers need to be on a farm, manufacturing typically requires a manufacturing base. Sometimes even though home and or hybrid working may be accessible, with the technology available to support such working styles, some companies refuse to engage with the movement. However, patent seekers have embraced this progressive working movement, where home working has become the norm. Home working, or hybrid working, also permits individuals to reduce their carbon footprint by removing the carbon emissions associated with commuting. This, in turn, results in the related employer being able to claim they are working to reduce the emissions of their employees and also have other benefits for all involved such as a better work-life balance and the ability to make better environmental choices. We are all aware of the simple choices we can make to reduce our carbon footprint. We know that walking where possible instead of taking a vehicle journey not only reduces our carbon footprint but can have other lifestyle benefits such as an increase in our exercise as well as associated well-being benefits. We know choosing products that do not contain palm oil helps, arguably helps anyway, the deforestation of some of the world's most biodiverse forests, which not only can contribute to lower carbon emissions by reducing deforestation but can also help preserve wildlife and prevent potential extinction of animals. We are also aware of the plastics used and sometimes consider matters such as packaging when purchasing products. Most local councils throughout the UK now offer recycling services collected from our doorsteps, as well as local recycling centres to take items that may not be accepted in the general recyclable waste collections. We even have alternative energy sources to consider when we think about how we heat our homes. Aside from companies capitalising on such new environmentally conscious callings from the public, they are also looking at ways in which they can reduce their own carbon footprint. Some organisations are aiming to reduce such emissions by overhauling their production processes. Some offer services such as planting trees or other general carbon capture methods to help achieve a carbon-neutral conscious company. There are many different ways companies are looking at the ethics of their organization in terms of fair trading, being cruelty-free, production of products that are vegan, vegetarian, or incorporating recyclable materials, which are also fully recyclable once the product is consumed. Arguably one of the frustrating aspects of making such changes is the costs involved. Plant-based products tend to be more expensive than their animal-based counterparts. This must factor into people's decisions to make such changes by purchasing environmentally conscious products. Especially in the current global cost of living crisis where people's disposable income has dramatically reduced or, in some circumstances, disposable income has unfortunately become non-existent. The cost of alternative energy systems is currently too high for most people to consider, i.e. In the UK, the average heat pump seems to range from £9,000 to £15,000, and potentially higher. Despite governments offering grants to assist with some of the costs, the remaining balance people have to fund is excessive compared to the price of a new boiler. The same can be argued over electric vehicles. Whilst car manufacturers offer discounts on their EV or hybrid vehicles, 
The cost of such vehicles to purchase is generally higher than standard fossil-fueled vehicles. Installing a charging point at home results in a higher overall cost to the consumer where essentially all they wish to do is help the environment. Even the cost of electricity in the UK has risen to such excessive levels that for some, the thought of using more electricity instantly makes them negate EV vehicles. If people opt to make environmentally conscious changes to help with the fight against climate change, why do such choices have to result in a higher cost to the consumer? And how does any leader or organization expect people to make such financially detrimental personal choices when their governments aren't arguably acting fast enough on the climate crisis? Most of us are aware of the climate change crisis. We know our world is warming up. We are witnessing increasingly adverse weather patterns ranging from excessive heat waves affecting health and even presenting a mortality risk, wildfires in parts of the world, droughts, freak floods, and so on. We are aware, and it is widely accepted in fact, that something has to be done about climate change and global warming before the temperature rises to a point where the world is devastated and beyond repair. News reporters, activists, organizations, governments, world leaders, and ourselves as individuals are all working towards preventing further warming of our planet. The battle against climate change must be a collective battle, fought on all fronts by everyone. Change happens one step at a time, but the change needs to occur before irreversible damage is done. Our climate is changing. It's time that we do too. Page 25. Conference Advertisement. The 36th Marquez Annual Conference. Celebrating Marks, How Sustainability and Technology Will Shape the Future of Brands. Tuesday the 20th to Friday the 23rd of September, 2022. Marquez. Register online at www.marquez.org forward slash events. Madrid 2022, Hotel Rio España, Madrid. The Global IP Matrix magazine is an official media partner. Make sure to visit their booth during this event. Page 26. Conference Advertisement. The World IP Forum. Powered by L.S. Devar and Company. 10th Edition World IP Forum 2022. 10th, 12th October. Bangkok. Thailand. Professor Randall Ray Rader. Sponsored by YJ Trivedi and Company Patent and Trademark Attorneys and Advocates. Anand and Anand. Ramfrey and Sagar. Email worldipforum.com. Page 27. Article. Maneuvering Your GCC Filing Strategy A Fresh Look at the UAE Patent Ecosystem. Written by ADV. Divienne du Verma and ADV. Afan Nawaz Khan. Audiri Vox, Dubai UAE. Divienne du Verma is an advocate and registered patent and trademark attorney with over 16 years of experience. He is the global head of the patent department at Audiri Vox, Dubai, UAE. Divienne du has vast experience in IP strategic advisory, patent drafting, prosecution, and litigation. His expertise includes advising on issues related to SEPs, technology standards, and indemnification for patent IP infringement. Afan Khan is an advocate and trademark attorney. Afan's areas of practice include transactional and contentious work in intellectual property, compliance, corporate governance, 
business startups, takeovers, mergers, and acquisitions. Introduction. The Cooperation Council for the Arab State of the Gulf, GCC, is an intergovernmental union comprising of the United Arab Emirates, the State of Kuwait, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, the Kingdom of Bahrain, the State of Qatar and the Sultanate of Oman. The objective of the Cooperation Council for the Arab State of the Gulf, GCC, is to bring coordination, integration and interconnection between the member states in all fields to achieve unity, according to Article 4 of the GCC Charter. The GCC Patent Office is based in Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, within the Secretariat-General of the Gulf Cooperation Council, it was established in 1992 and began its operations in 1988. For 23 years, it's been a regional patent office for granting patents in all GCC member states. 41st Summit and Amendments to the Patent System The Supreme Council of the GCC is the organization's highest authority and is composed of the heads of all member states. In furtherance of its objectives, the Supreme Council meets annually in an ordinary session. Extraordinary sessions like the GCC Summit are convened at the request of a member state and seconded by another. The Supreme Council of the GCC, in its 41st summit held on 5 January 2021, approved the amendments made to the GCC Patent Regulation, as a result of which the GCC Patent Office, GCCPO, suspended its operations for granting patents filed on or after 5 January 2021. Five months after the decision of the Supreme Council, an amendment to the GCC patent law was published. The amended patent law completely changed the operations of the GCC Patent Office. Under the amended patent law, the GCC Patent Office processes patent applications based on the services requested by the GCC member states. Accordingly, in the revised patent regime, the acceptance of new patent applications will be considered on the following grounds. The GCCPO will receive and handle patent applications, their examination, prosecution and grant only upon a request received from a GCC member state. The grant of patents will be subject to approval from the requesting member state, and the granted patent will only have an effect in the requesting member state. Prior to the present amendments, the GCC Patent Office independently received, examined, and granted GCC applications that were enforceable across the GCC member states. In contrast, the amended law allows the GCC member states to outsource the patent applications to the GCC Patent Office upon request. The patent can only be granted after the approval of the requesting member state. It will only be valid in the jurisdiction of the requesting member state as opposed to the former patent system, where the validity of the granted patent would be across the GCC. The applicants will have to file for a GCC patent only through a national office of the GCC member states rather than filing directly with the GCC patent office. Thus, applying for a unified GCC patent is no longer available. These amendments are expected to come into force once the implementing regulations have been published. The GCC patent office will continue to process, examine, and grant patent applications filed prior to 5 January 2021. Temporary protection. The GCC patent law has set out the requirements for filing a provisional document, known as a Certificate of Temporary Protection, 
Article 6 stipulates that if the person wishes to obtain a temporary protection certificate for the product that may be the subject of a patent and wishes to display it in any official exhibition held within one of the GCC countries, then the concerned person is supposed to submit an application to the office before exposition accompanied by a brief statement of the description of the invention, its drawings, and a statement of the products related to it. A certificate of temporary protection will be provided by the competent authority stating the identity of the exhibited product and the date of its presentation. Routes available for filing new patent applications in the GCC member states. All six GCC member states are members of the Paris Convention as well as the Patent Cooperation Treaty, PCT, so the patent applications can be made in the GCC member states through either of these ways. Filing a conventional Patent application in all the GCC member states through a direct Paris Convention application within the 12 months from the date of the earliest priority patent application. Filing a national phase patent application individually in all the GCC member states through the Patent Cooperation Treaty, PCT, within 30 months from the date of the earliest priority patent application. It is a no-brainer to say that filing a patent application through PCT is advantageous as it provides the patent applicants with an additional 18 months to file their patent application in the member PCT countries of interest. Therefore, the PCT route provides the patent applicants ample time to strategize their patent filings across the globe. In the next section of the article, we will explore the patent regime in one of the GCC member states, the United Arab Emirates, UAE in detail. United Arab Emirates, Patent Ecosystem and Recent Amendments. The United Arab Emirates, UAE, has been recognized as the 26th best nation in the world for doing business by a report published by the World Bank Group. On the other hand, the UAE is in the top ranks in the Global Competitiveness Index and the Global Innovation Index. The UAE government is able to offer a steady and strong business-enabling environment, which has resulted in exponential growth of the industry in this region. Not only is the UAE a strong competitor to other economies in the world, but the UAE is also cementing its role in promoting innovation and the protection of intellectual property. The above opinion is validated when one looks at the data statistics. The total number of patent applications in the UAE has tripled over the past decade to reach more than 25,000 in 2020 from almost 8,000 in 2010. To keep pace with the other jurisdictions, the UAE revised its law in 2021. It issued Federal Law No. 11 of 2021, the law, concerning the regulation and protection of industrial property rights. The law was published in Official Gazette No. 703 on 31 May 2021, and it covers patents, industrial designs, integrated circuits, undisclosed information and utility certificates. Upon perusal of the law, it is clear that the government is trying to harmonize and adopt the best practices followed by the leading countries. One of the notable changes in the law is an introduction of a 12-month grace period for disclosure of the invention prior to filing the patent application in UAE and expedited examination of a specific category of a patent application. As per the law, Patent protection in the UAE is granted for each new invention resulting from an innovative idea or improvement, forms an inventive step and is capable of industrial application. The law now has defined inventive step as opposed to the former law. 
An invention is considered to involve an inventive step when it is not axiomatic, obvious, in the opinion of an ordinary craftsman. A patent can be granted for a new application, modification or an addition made to an earlier invention. Recent amendments in the patent regime in the UAE. The issuance of the new federal law no. 11 of 2021 concerning the regulation and protection of industrial property rights has made changes and added provisions to the former patent law resulting in modification of the UAE patent system. Provisions amended and rectified are given as follows. Article 5 defines the terms for obtaining a patent and provides that a patent shall be granted for each new invention contrived from a creative idea or creative enhancement, forms an inventive step and is capable of industrial application. Article 5, 4, provides a grace period for disclosure of the invention prior to the filing of the patent application before the National Patent Office. Under the present article, technical disclosures by the inventor that happen within 12 months of the filing date will not affect novelty. Article 7 provides a few additional subject matters that cannot be patented. Under the former law, plant varieties, animal species, or their biological breeding methods were excluded from patentability, including research on plant and animal species. Article 7, d, now explicitly excludes software from patentability. With this exclusion, the UAE Patent Office aims to follow software exclusion consistent in various leading jurisdictions. Article 7, e, excludes natural substances from patentability. Such natural substances obtained by purification or separation from natural resources are excluded from the patentability criteria, whereas the method of purification or separation of such natural substances from their natural resources is kept within the scope of patentability. Article 11, 8, provides that applications must be filed in English or Arabic, and if any of them are unavailable, then the late filing is possible. Article 11, 9, sets a deadline of 90 days for providing the additional information and data as required by the Patent Office. Article 11, 10, ensures post-filing amendments in the patent application, but the modification shall fall within the scope of the original as filed application. Article 13 stipulates that the Ministry shall publish the acceptance of the patent grant in the official gazette in accordance with the executive regulations, provided the invention meets the conditions for patentability. It is unclear at the present juncture whether pending applications will be published at the pre-grant stage or under the current regulations. Article 14 provides a provision for urgent application. It states that the Ministry could examine certain applications of patent or utility certificates before other applications regardless of application submission dates or examining application dates, provided that this is not prejudicial to the priority applications. Article 16 grants a patent or utility certificate applicant the power to file one or more divisional applications if the original application contains more than one invention. Article 20 provides an assignment of patent or utility certificate and its conditions. Test of novelty and inventive step. Novelty. The UAE patent system was originally based on the concept of absolute novelty. That means, if an invention is disclosed in the public domain before filing a patent application, the invention is declared as anticipated by such public disclosure and, therefore, is not eligible for patent protection. However, as mentioned above, the new law has brought the provision of a disclosure grace period. 
That means disclosures of the proposed invention by the inventor that occur within 12 months of the filing date will have no effect on novelty, and the subject matter shall be declared as novel per the provision of the law. Inventive step. Among other qualifications for a patent application to be granted as a patent, the invention must showcase the inventive step non-obviousness. The test of the inventive step is to identify the technical advancement of the proposed invention compared to the existing prior art, and such technological advancement must not be obvious in the opinion of an ordinary craftsman. Like other leading patent regimes, the UAE Patent Office also follows a similar test to assess the inventive step of the invention. Lord Hoffman provided an overview of the inventive step in Biogen Inc. v. Mediva PLC, 1997, RPC 1 at 34, whenever anything inventive is done for the first time, it is the result of the addition of a new idea to the existing stock of knowledge. Sometimes, it is the idea of using established techniques to do something which no one had previously thought of doing. In that case, the inventive idea will be doing the new thing. Sometimes it is finding a way of doing something which people had wanted to do but could not think how. The inventive idea would be the way of achieving the goal. In other cases, many people may have a general idea of how they might achieve a goal but not know how to solve a particular problem that stands in their way. If someone devises a way of solving the problem, his inventive step will be that solution, but not the goal itself or the general method of achieving it. Therefore, it is important to note the contribution of technological advancement as claimed by the proposed invention in light of the existing prior art. At the same time, there is another challenge to establish that the proposed technical advancement must not be obvious in the opinion of an ordinary craftsman. Procedural requirements in the UAE for the grant of a patent. To obtain a grant of a patent in UAE, an invention must qualify the followings. It should be new, novel, when compared with the existing arts. The proposed invention must involve an inventive step. And the invention must be capable of industrial application. The application form must be accompanied by all of the following. Two copies of the specifications, claims and an abstract, English and Arabic copies are required. Two sets of formal drawings with Arabic translation. A copy of the published patent cooperation treaty 1970 filing or copy of the priority filing, if applicable. The following documents are required within 90 days from the date of filing. A deed of assignment signed by the inventor, if the applicant is not the inventor duly legalized up to the UAE consulate. A power of attorney duly legalized up to the UAE consulate. An extract from the commercial register or the memorandum of association if the applicant is a company or body corporate duly legalized up to the UAE consulate. A copy of the International Search Report. The International Preliminary Examination Report, if available. A certified copy of the priority document, application giving the filing date, number, and country if the application is to be filed with a priority claim which is not required for PCT applications and only needed for national patent applications. Concluding Remarks As a closing remark to the present article, the authors would like to conclude by stating that the applicants cannot rely on the GCC filing system at this point in time. Specifically, with the present amendments, there is a lot of uncertainty in the functioning of the GCCPO. There may be a possibility that GCCPO might adapt to the European model as followed by the EPO, 
where the GCCPO might examine and grant the application. Still, the granted patents might have to be validated in GCC member states to enforce the granted patent in those GCC member states. In another possible scenario, GCCPO might act like a common examination authority for all GCC member states. Thus, in such a scenario, the patent offices of each GCC member state may outsource the examination work to a single entity like the GCCPO. The rest of the work may be handled by the national patent offices of the GCC member states. In view of this, the authors advise the reader's stakeholders to follow the national patent filing strategy where the patent applicant may file in any of the GCC member countries through the conventional or PCT route. Specifically, with the recent amendments in the UAE patent regime, the authors believe that the UAE patent regime would establish itself at par with the other leading patent offices worldwide and efficiently cater to the stakeholders' needs. Page 31. Advertisement. AV. Vox. Vox. Intellectual Property Rights Management and Protection. The Middle East, Asia and Africa. Email, global at audirevox.com. Website, www.audirevox.com. Page 32. The Women's IP World Bite Size Segment Page and Sponsor. Women's IP World Bite Size. We continue and advance in highlighting women's essential work and contributions in IP, IP law and innovation globally. Ms. Laura Colada, Managing Partner at Dumont, Mexico. Sponsored by Dumont. Your ideas. Our business. Website, www.dumont.mx. Dumont is a Mexican IP law firm founded in 1940. They are committed to assisting their clients in the selection, clearance, protection, enforcement, and exploitation of their IP rights and business interests. Dumont are experts on inventions, patents, utility models, and industrial designs, and distinctive signs, trademarks, trade names, commercial signs and appellation of origin and geographical indications. Dumont's practice extends to highly specialized topics such as litigation, copyright, information technology, corporate law and anti-counterfeiting, appraisals of both trademarks and patents in compliance with the Financial Reporting Standards, NIF, by a team of expert lawyers, litigants, and advisors in the various disciplines covered by their area. Dumont's associates stay on top of recent developments in the market and the legal area to provide value-added services. While taking their clients' commercial situation into account, they provide high-quality services that are tailor-made to fit the needs of their clients around the world. Page 33. Article. Tips for the Advancement of Diversity and Inclusion in the Workplace. Written by Laura Colada, Managing Partner at Dumont, Mexico. The approach to diversity and inclusion is different around the world. It depends on the jurisdiction, education, social background, race, environment, beliefs, values, personal experiences, and many other things. Besides these, we have legislation, norms, best practices, and many other tools that have changed dramatically in recent years. Furthermore, corporations in our field, law firms, and legal and governmental authorities are rooting for Dandai. There is information available and consultancies everywhere. 
Dandai even gets farther, today, it is a must, politically correct and defines the representation and reputation of an organization. It is not a trend, a plethora of voices are demanding from law firms, and in any case any type of organization as well, that we must aim for a diverse and inclusive workplace. Intellectual property attorneys, who attend conferences around the globe, have this amazing opportunity to travel the world and have a glance at different cultures, traditions, and places. For me, the more I travel, the more I see common grounds, not differences. I truly believe that our community is emphatic, and we often see our conferences and organizations creating awareness, organizing meetings, and workshops and advocating for policies. So, how do we raise awareness of diversity and inclusion from an international and multicultural perspective? I do not have the answer, but I believe the IP environment is a great place to plant a seed. We are an inclusive and diverse community. Our associations include minorities, when gathered, we work, network, and have fun in a broad, tolerant environment. The work advocating and implementing processes and policies regarding Dandai seems easier for corporations and large law firms. As mentioned before, I think learning and educating oneself about it is the first step as an individual. But what can we do at our workplaces? We live in a moment where people are more open and willing to discuss and accept a changing world. Tolerance is being practiced. Yet, it is still difficult for minorities to develop to their fullest. Today, it is not as important to fit in but to thrive and develop as much as possible. This argument holds that for both individuals and organizations. Advocating and working for minorities has become a must for the corporate world. When hiring a law firm, Dandai has become one of the most important reasons for engaging with a firm. Dandai is vital for innovation, performance, both managing and employees, financial, representation, creation of value, and reputation, amongst others. All of us have recently experienced those processes of engagement and hiring with corporations, including tenders and RFPs, request of proposals, involving disclosure of information regarding procedures and programs as well as certifications in connection with Dandai. Furthermore, it is not only working for one minority, for example, women empowerment and advancement, but working for all minorities to be included in the workplace. They even ask for hard evidence that programs and policies are in place and advancement is being measured. Many changes are indeed challenging the corporate world. In a manner, they lead the way, but also clients and consumers are pushing them to build a fairer world. Dandai is not a new topic. It is one of the strongest issues the corporate world is trying to transform as well as green and environmental demands, social responsibility, well-being, etc. It is a worldwide movement that has recently been fueled by many events globally covered by the media, such as #MeToo, #BlackLivesMatter, #Pride, and many others, depending on regions, cultures, etc. Tackling them simultaneously is an overwhelming task, but all of them are important and should be addressed by organizations as soon as possible. We should start working and learning about the Dandai and applying principles and practices for inclusion. As mentioned before, it seems easier for corporations and large firms to work on the topic and implement processes and policies. Many medium and small firms struggle to do such things, and mainly the answer for this would be time and money. 
It appears that businesses, when they have the means, easily and swiftly may start this path. The first step is introspection. We must review the firm's culture and realize in which areas we are doing well and in which we need improvement. It is essential to set goals, reachable ones. The goal would be to make our business a happier, fairer, and more empathetic workplace in which all its members develop and grow at their completest capacity. Self-assessment is key to creating awareness, and our businesses must recognize its inequities. As important as introspection is education and training. Many people don't think they have any biases, it is only the way that they were raised and educated, nonetheless almost everyone carries bias and preconceptions. This is the reason why we must create awareness and educate people. Look for a consultant, hire them and implement practices, and your work environment will thank you. Training is key. Everyone at the office should be trained to understand the misconceptions and the goals and avoid practices, attitudes, etc., that could harm a member of the organization. In the meantime, processes and policies should be created and communicated to all personnel, if you have the possibility to appoint a diversity office chair, that would be great. Another option would be establishing a council or a dandai leader. They would be responsible for implementing such policies and processes. The role is to primarily integrate and regularly report diversity imbalances, it is important to report if it can't be measurable and traceable, then it is not working. Compliance should be a goal. Communication is the top priority. Convey the message at your firm, which is the goal. Try to hire diverse associates or include them in summer programs if you have them. Being exposed to other ways of thinking will enrich your office. The organization must know which policies are being implemented, how they will carry them out, and what their goals are. It is important to highlight that the organization is committed to improving all dandai disparities. As mentioned before, the approach of corporations and large law firms differs from medium and small ones. It is true that the larger the personnel, the larger the diversity. However, on a different scale, these tips work for anyone interested. Policies are different worldwide, some work in some cultures, and others simply do not. Nevertheless, some should be tried to see how they work, equal payment, anti-harassment, and anti-discrimination seem like the natural ones. There are many others. For example, gender quotas work in some jurisdictions, in others, they look unnecessary. Quotas do not mean spontaneous inclusion. Also, creating task forces appears to be efficient. Moreover, generating affinity groups and activities has proven to integrate people since engaging at the office is not the same as engaging in different activities. Mentoring is highly recommended, but to do that, principals must first conceptualize and implement inclusion in their organizations. It is a very effective way to teach and discuss principles and values that will help to enhance the work environment through inclusion. The best way to pass knowledge and values is through one-to-one -one experiences and becoming a role model. Management level would be the first to implement a mentoring program, but never disregard engaging someone from minorities that could turn into a great mentor and even a role model. Communication of personal experience is key for understanding and acceptance. Also, it would be great to include best practices, there is a lot of information out there that will help. Change is challenging but, at the same time, rewarding.
Much has been written about best practices, but many would not work in different cultures and environments. First and foremost, senior management must be engaged and empathetic leaders must show the way. As people, we always seek a sense of belonging, so organizations must connect with the personnel. Every individual must know which is their role, what is expected, and which are the goals. Emphasize the balance and well-being of your personnel, include, if you can, a recreational area. Dandai must be about ongoing programs, not a one-shot deal. Moreover, compliance with policies and processes is not a commitment, and people must be engaged. So that is why I mentioned before that communication and roles are essential. Always remember to groom your HR team on these issues, they are the first contact, the approach, and a thermometer to measure how good or bad you are doing. HR is vital if you cannot have an appointed Dandai chair leader from the very beginning of your program. HR must communicate that fitting in is not as important as thriving. If you are inclusive, your personnel will thrive, and overall performance will be better. Emotional salaries. Even though these are not exclusive best practices for Dandai to implement emotional salaries, for example, leaves, activities, conferences, sponsorships of affinity groups and sports teams, build a sense of belonging with the organization. Furthermore, take baby steps and start changing the layout of your office to include certain minorities, invest in parking and bathrooms for minorities and even more, replace your facilities and include at least one gender-neutral bathroom or a nursery. Walk the talk. Lastly, try to achieve certifications, equal pay, non-discrimination, gender equality, etc. Working to obtain them will make people work together, and once achieved, the sense of satisfaction will necessarily create more grounds for inclusion. Moreover, minimize fear and incomprehensiveness and maximize well-being and thriving opportunities. Many studies show that with diversity comes incredible things. A diverse workforce results in better performance, thus greater profitability, and value creation. Today an organization that doesn't show any efforts on Dandai will probably tarnish its reputation. It is true that many of these issues and how you approach and work with them depend on the size and structure of the firm. The most important issue is the determination to change. Diversity enriches and strengthens our communities, culture, society, and lives. Diversity helps people to communicate and learn from one another. It helps us respect and include others in our society, it expands our mindset. Diversity allows individuals to be more tolerant. It is true to say that what you show turns into your brand. We live in a moment in which our brand must include Dandai. Page 36. Advertisement. Dumont. Your ideas, our business. Innovation protected. www.dumont.mx Page 37. Article. Ship Global IP, a rising star within the IP services industry. The Global IP Matrix magazine had the pleasure to talk with Juan Julian Leon, the CEO of Ship Global IP in Spain. Although relatively young, Ship Global IP has gained a foothold in the market in record time. We say relatively because although the company made its debut at INTA Orlando in 2016, it hit the ground running with more than 25 years of experience brought by its founders in each of their fields of expertise. 
The Global IP Matrix magazine had the pleasure to talk with Juan Julian Leon, the CEO of Ship Global IP in Spain, about the company's business, services, and what makes them stand out from the crowd. Juan Julian Leon is this project's heart and soul, and we were struck by his passion and drive for the business and the idea behind the project, which is perhaps one of the keys to its rapid growth. In addition to being the CEO of Ship Global IP, Juan Julian Leon is the CEO of Separatech Multilingual Solutions, a renowned translation company ranked among the top 30 in the world. Due to the company's specialization in patent translation, Leon spotted a specific opportunity in the intellectual property sector and that was the start of Ship Global IP, which is now a company with comprehensive services to cover all the needs that an IP department has. The key to Ship Global IP's success is based not only on providing this 360-degree service but also on the fact that it does so via a technological platform specially designed for this industry and on the development of which both heads of IP departments at major corporations and lawyers specializing in IP have worked and continue to work on. Ship Helm is the trademark of this technological solution which incorporates artificial intelligence and undeniably makes day-to-day -day life easier for clients with large IP portfolios. Another of the project's core ideas is constant investment in improving and expanding its platform services. In September 2021, the company announced an ambitious growth plan based on organic growth and the acquisition of other companies that provide geographic coverage or other technology to accelerate its ship helm platform's technological development. Heavyweights in the intellectual property industry are joining this strategic plan, which speaks volumes. Our editor, Elvin Hassan, speaks with Juan Julian Leon, Chief Executive Officer of Ship Global IP, to understand the company's vision, unique value proposition and growth plans. Thank you, Juan Julian, for taking the time to chat with us. We want to understand how the ship project set sail on its maiden voyage as an IP business. It's our pleasure. Thanks to our group's vast experience in patent translation, we identified a growing need in the intellectual property sector. There were specific patent, trademark, or annuity solutions on the market, but very few, if any, really covered all the needs that an internal IP department might need. Ship Global IP was born with a clear focus to centralize the management of the industrial and intellectual property departments under the same company and under an online management tool designed specifically for this sector. In times of instability, companies need their internal resources to concentrate on their core business while outsourcing the rest of the administrative tasks. Ship Global IP was created precisely to cover this market niche offering a 360-degree solution for all the needs that an IP portfolio may need, from a single supplier and with a single technological platform. What are the company's aims and vision? Ship Global IP's business mission is to help its clients reduce the time between creating an idea and putting it on the market. We offer the broadest range of IP services in the sector, and all from a single hub, a technological solution created by and for IP professionals from which our corporate clients and IP law firms can manage their entire portfolio of IP assets from start to finish, easily, anytime, anywhere. We see a future in which innovation is made accessible to users quickly, easing the bureaucratic obstacles that delay product and service launches to market. What do you mean by a comprehensive IP portfolio management service? Founded with the goal of grouping all the functions of the intellectual property department together, 
We offer comprehensive services from the initial concept phase, through the presentation procedure, to granting and maintenance. This includes searches, drafting provisional applications, priority filing, filing, divisional applications, CIP and SPC applications, advice, and continuous legal assistance, all in a single organization. It's one of the few companies in the sector to employ a large internal team of linguists specialized in patent translation. We also offer a broad range of trademark management services managing everything, including the investigation of trademark registration records, feasibility reports, application and processing of trademark registrations, global surveillance services, trademark maintenance and renewal, registration of transfers, and management of licenses all with an extensive team specialized in trademarks that make it possible to offer a comprehensive global trademarks advisory service, protecting our clients' brands and defending them against third parties the world over. The company also provides its clients with IP-related services such as patent translations, renewals and maintenance, document management services, DMS, portfolio data management, and strategic analysis. As you can see, we offer a truly comprehensive IP portfolio management service and solution through one of the strongest online management tools on the market. Why ship global IP? What do your customers value most about your offer? Our clients find in our enhanced platform an intelligent solution to identify the costs for extending a patent in several countries, with a clear and transparent detailed outline of the different costs at a glance and in an instant price quote. This is one of the platform's key features, and, of course, it also applies to the new trademark management and search modules. For example, it offers the possibility of examining the different options for registering a trademark in multiple jurisdictions in just a matter of minutes and identifying the cost of each of these alternatives, broken down by item. ShipHelm provides real-time rate comparisons of multiple workflow options, such as the Madrid Protocol vs Direct Registration and allows for any of our vetted and approved agents to be chosen in each country. Once a workflow is selected, the jurisdiction provides all the necessary documents, which are available via downloadable templates. It's worth mentioning that thanks to our vast experience with patent translations, we have multilingual IP content capabilities that allow us to provide a differentiated service thanks to the content management technologies we work alongside. We can also adapt workflows to our clients' current processes. Newly added features greatly facilitate decision-making on filing and registration strategy and the best way to protect each IP asset. With our centralized and outsourced solution, our clients are reducing their costs by between 20 and 30% and saving valuable time. The company has recently been recognized as a top 5 patent management company by CIO Applications magazine. Your technological solution is positioned at the center of the company's value proposition. How do you continue to serve users in the best way? We continuously invest in developing our technological platform, enabling our clients to work faster and improve their experience, and providing secure connectivity to host and query all IP portfolio data and statuses. We also continue to develop the range of services we provide to become a benchmark in the IP platform sector. Ship Global IP deploys a proprietary technology created by a panel of professionals from the industrial and intellectual property sector that includes end customers and agents with whom the company has collaborated to streamline its internal IP processes. 
We kept this strategy for the development of the trademark module launched last year and will continue to do so, as it has proven to be very effective. In addition, at the end of 2021, we approved a strategic growth plan which includes the possibility of acquisitions to accelerate our technological development and aggressive plans for international expansion. Therefore, we are actively looking for technical solutions in the market or technologies under development that complements our proprietary technology. Rather than a one-size-fits-all approach, SHIP aims to create custom-tailored solutions to ensure it can meet clients' goals to improve efficiencies and reduce times and costs. SHIP Helm is a user-friendly and intuitive platform. Its features include instant quotes for all aspects of patents, trademarks, and other IP-related processes, allowing clients to plan their budget strategy in real-time. It also allows fast, automated validation of data, with WIPO and EPO bibliographical data, thanks to an improved interface that increases data entry efficiency. We have seen some important additions to ship Global IP's team lately. What plans does the company have in terms of the workforce? The latest hires are a new step for ship Global IP in attracting the best talent in the market with a strategic vision and long-term commitment. Yes, we plan to continue growing our workforce in the regions where we operate, and we have recently welcomed two well-known professionals in the sector as Global Managing Director and Managing Director for the Austin branch. We feel these new additions to the team will contribute their experience and passion to the company's management body and will continue accelerating its growth and innovation in the coming years. We are delighted that both professionals have clearly seen the value of our long-term business plan. What is the roadmap ahead for the company? We continue to develop further and reinforce our own technology platform, Ship Helm, and the range of services we cover to become a benchmark in the IP platform sector. At Ship Global IP, we analyze complementary technologies, constantly looking for new features to add to our platform. We will continue to do so throughout the year as we develop our teams and IP solutions to face the major growth plans we have for 2022 with the right tools in hand. As mentioned, we are also strengthening our sales and formalities departments to meet the growing demand from our existing and new customers. We are also actively targeting some key strategic countries to further develop our operations worldwide. To follow Ship Global IP's journey, you can visit their website www.shipglobalip.com. Page 40. Advertisement. Ship. Global Intellectual Property. Rated the top patent management company 2022. Awarded by C10 Applications. One of the most complete and up-to-date online platforms in the IP management sector, created by a panel of experts that included both clients and agents and uses AI to streamline the IP process. Patents. Trademarks. IP translations. Paralegal outsourcing. Document management services. Portfolio data management. Renewals. Portfolio analysis management. Search and monitoring. Legal services. Website www.shipglobalip.com Page 41 Article Notable developments related to false and misleading advertisements in India Written by Mr. Anshul Sunil Saurastri, partner at Krishna and Saurastri Associates LLP, in India In the last decade, there has been significant growth in digital advertisement expenditure in India Traditionally advertisement budgets were dedicated to print and TV, however, 
budgets have increasingly shifted to digital and rightfully so. Digital ads are multi-channel, can be targeted better, and their impact can be measured with more accuracy. In a country like India, which has approximately 700 million internet users, 600 million smartphones, and one of the highest consumption of data per capita, going digital is a foregone conclusion. However, a wider reach also increases the likelihood of public injury being caused due to false and misleading advertisements. Hence there is a need to have sufficient safeguards. Listed below are some recent developments in India that demonstrate an effort to improve the regulatory framework in this space. Enactment of the new Consumer Protection Law In a bold move, on 20 July 2020, after almost three decades, the old Consumer Protection Act, 1986, Old Act, was replaced with the new Consumer Protection Act, 2019, New Act. The previous regime was enacted prior to the commencement of the first phase of liberalisation. With an improvement in the purchasing power of the Indian consumer, India has climbed up the rankings to sit among the world's biggest consumer markets and is poised to be in the top five by 2025. With this rapid growth of the consumer economy, increased availability of goods and services and new ways of reaching consumers, new challenges have emerged. In this background, the new act was a welcome move. Some highlights include the establishment of the Central Consumer Protection Authority, CCPA, enabling e-filing of complaints and alternate dispute resolution mechanisms to resolve consumer disputes, enhancement of the pecuniary jurisdiction of the district, state and national commission, and introduction of strict penalties for false and misleading advertisements, regulation of e-commerce transactions, the introduction of the concept of product liability, creation of remedies against unfair contracts and introduction of a broad definition of unfair trade practices. Notification of ASI's Guidelines for Influencer Advertising in Digital Media, Guidelines On 27 May 2021, the Advertising and Standards Council of India, ASCI, notified the guidelines to tackle advertisements on digital media which are inherently misleading and either mislead by omission or result in an abuse of the trust of consumers or exploit their lack of experience or knowledge. The guidelines apply to all posts on or after 14 June 2021. The goal is to ensure that consumers can distinguish between content and paid promotional content posted by influencers and virtual influencers. The guidelines seek to guide influencers on due diligence and disclosure requirements by setting out I, the parameters for determining the need for disclosure, including what may be considered a material connection, Two, the manner in which disclosure must be made and its strict adherence to ASI's code and guidelines, Three, the advice to influencers to conduct due diligence such that the claims made by advertisers can be substantiated. Increased crackdown by ASCI and focus on the digital domain. In a press release dated 28 June 2021, ASCI reported that in the financial year 2021-2022, it witnessed an overall increase of 68% in objectionable advertisements. ASCI also stated that it processed almost 62% more advertisements than the previous year, of which 48% belonged to the digital medium. Amongst the objectionable advertisements, those related to education, healthcare, personal care, virtual digital assets, and online real money gambling were reported as most prominent, and although the latter two were relatively newer categories but contributed quite significantly at 8% each, 
thereby justifying ASI's focus on the digital domain. ASCI further reported that it processed 25% more complaints than the previous year, within those, approximately 29% were complaints made against influencers. In related news, ASCI also reported that it had invested significantly in technology for surveillance and had upgraded its technology-supported complaint mechanism, which is also an indicator of ASI's increased focus on digital. Notification of CCPA's Guidelines for Prevention of Misleading Advertisement and Endorsements for Misleading Advertisements, 2022, Guidelines. On 098 June 2022, the CCPA notified the guidelines seeking to curb the menace of misleading advertisements and shield consumers from unfair trade practices. The guidelines apply to all advertisements and advertisers, including manufacturers, service providers, endorsers, and advertising agencies who provide services to such advertisers. The guidelines provide guidance on I, the responsibilities of a manufacturer, service provider, advertiser, endorser, and advertising agencies in relation to advertisements, Two, the obligations of an endorser regarding due diligence and disclosure of material connections which impact the credibility of the endorsement, Three, the principles to determine when an advertisement is not a misleading advertisement, Four, the conditions under which bait advertisements and free claim. Advertisements are and are not permitted, v. The type of advertising content which cannot be targeted towards children or broadcasted during children's programs, and the compliances to be met for such content. 6. Prohibition of surrogate indirect advertisements, and 7. The parameters of disclaimers in advertisements. Page 43. Advertisement. Krishna and Sor Astri Associates, LLP. Krishna and Sorastri Associates, LLP, is a full-service intellectual property and technology law firm focused on rendering business-friendly legal advice. The firm was formed in 1992 and merged with a law practice set up in 1956. Ever since, the firm has been navigating complex intellectual property and techno-legal issues for its diverse client base. To keep pace with the growth of its business and be ever-present for its clients, the firm has about 170 people spread across offices in the major economic centers of Mumbai, New Delhi, Bengaluru, Pune, Ahmedabad and Chennai. The firm represents clients from all major industries and sectors. The firm's team includes specialists with niche expertise and industry experience, which is leveraged to provide clients maximum value from legal counseling. Additionally, most of the firm's professionals have formative degrees in natural sciences, engineering, arts or business, prior to qualifying as lawyers, which is useful while navigating complex intellectual property and techno-legal issues. Over the years, the firm has been ranked among the top-tier Indian intellectual property and technology law firms consistently by leading domestic and international publications. Patents Trademarks and Geographical Indications Designs Copyrights Mergers and Acquisitions, Technology Transfer, Licensing, Franchising, Joint Ventures Litigations and Arbitration Plant Varieties Biodiversity Competition Laws International Trade Laws Regulatory Issues Food, Drug and Medical Device Laws Media Advertising, Broadcasting, and Information Technology Laws Anti-Counterfeiting Customs and Border Enforcement. Page 44. Article.
Understanding and Application of the Trademark Infringement Judgment Standard www.unitalent.com Written by Ray Zhao, LLM, Senior Partner, Head of the International Trademark Team, Attorney at Law and Trademark Attorney at Unitalent Attorneys at Law, Patent Trademark and Copyright, in China. On June 15, 2020, in order to strengthen the guidance of trademark law enforcement and unify law enforcement standards, and also to enhance the level of law enforcement and strengthen the protection of the exclusive right to use trademarks, according to the Chinese Trademark Law and Implementation Regulations of the Trademark Law of the People's Republic of China and relevant laws, regulations, and departments' regulations, the China National Intellectual Property Office formulated and issued the Trademark Infringement Judgment Standards. To further proceed with the trademark law enforcement and business guidance and help law enforcement officials understand the meaning correctly, the CNIPA issued further clarification for trademark infringement judgment standard to understand and apply just recently. The author would like to summarize the following major points. Which authorities will apply and use this standard? Besides the Market Supervision and Management Department, Trademark law enforcement authorities also include the Intellectual Property Management Department, Comprehensive Law Enforcement, etc. For instance, Intellectual Property Management Departments with trademark enforcement rights include the Intellectual Property Office of Shanghai Pudong New Area, Intellectual Property Office of Changshu City, Intellectual Property Office of Guangzhou Development Zone, etc. The scope of application of the standard is mainly for the cases of infringement of the exclusive right to use a registered trademark. Emphasize the use of trademarks. The use of trademarks plays a very important role in the trademark legal system in China. It is of great significance in the acquisition, maintenance, and relief of trademark rights. The marking method starts from the basic function of the trademark and makes it clear that the use of the trademark is for recognition. The use of a trademark is the premise of the realization of trademark function and the necessary conditions for the maintenance of trademark rights. Only by playing the function of identifying the source of the trademark could it constitute the use of a trademark. The value of a trademark is also reflected in the process of using it. The goodwill carried is also obtained through the use of the trademark. The use of trademarks on specific goods when providing service is generally not regarded as the use of trademarks on the goods. For example, suppose Starbucks uses the Starbucks trademark on employees' clothing, coffee utensils, and other items in the operation of cafe services. In that case, it shall be deemed as the use of the Starbucks service trademark rather than the use of the commodity trademark of clothing and coffee utensils. However, if Starbucks uses the Starbucks trademark on its separately sold coffee cup products, it shall be deemed to be the use of the Starbucks trademark on a coffee cup, not the use of the service mark. If a registered trademark is slightly altered and the registration mark or the registered trademark sign is continued to be marked. In that case, it constitutes an illegal act of voluntarily altering a registered trademark. As stipulated in the first paragraph of Article 49 of the Trademark Law, if the extent of change is so large that the changed trademark is easily regarded as a new trademark by the relevant public, and the registered mark or the registered trademark sign continues to be marked, it constitutes an illegal act of passing off a registered trademark as stipulated in Article 52 of the Trademark Law. It should be emphasized that the use of a registered trademark after it is changed, 
regardless of whether it is marked with the registration mark or marked with the registered trademark sign, as long as the trademark used falls within the scope of the exclusive right of the registered trademark of others, it is a trademark infringement. It defines the legal consequences of market organizers, exhibition organizers, counter lessors, e-commerce platforms, and other operators who neglect to perform their management duties and help or acquiesce to the continuous occurrence of infringement. To determine whether trademark infringement is constituted by market organizers, exhibition organizers, counter lessors, e-commerce platforms, and other operators, the following factors should be met. Firstly, whether the commodities sold, or services provided by market operators, exhibitors, counter lessee, and e-commerce operators on the platform is trademark infringement. Secondly, whether the operator knows or should know about the existence of trademark infringement in its market, exhibition hall, shopping mall and platform. Third, whether the operators fulfill the duty of reasonable review, including in its market, exhibition hall, shopping mall, platform, merchants sell goods or services provided by whether there is a trademark registration certificate or license certificate and other documents to review and for the record. Or whether they take the spot check, patrol inspection merchants sell goods or provide services according to the record of commodity or service. Or whether the content of intellectual property protection is specified in the signed contract. Fourth, whether the operator has taken necessary measures such as removing the shelves, deleting the commodity links, and closing the shop in time after being notified by the Trademark Law Enforcement Department or the trademark right holder with the effective administrative and judicial documents. In the process of handling trademark infringement cases before local authorities, the identification opinions of trademark rights holders are very important evidence. The proof effect of the trademark right holder's identification opinion has a certain priority. If the suspected infringer cannot overturn the identification opinion by contrary evidence, the Trademark Law Enforcement Department will accept the identification opinion as evidence. In addition, we should pay attention to two problems in the specific case handling. First, Trademark Law Enforcement Departments may require the right holder to provide written identification opinions, but not must. As long as there is sufficient evidence to prove the existence of infringement facts, even without the identification of the right holder, local authorities can also make a decision directly. Second, the right holder can also take the initiative to provide written identification opinions. Same page. Half-page advertisement. Unitalin Attorneys at Law. A leading IP law firm in China. Offices in 20 major commercial cities in China and also in the U.S., Japan and Germany. Handling over 400 IP litigations each year. 236 patent attorneys, 66 trademark attorneys, and 71 attorneys at law. Ranking first in the top 10 patent agencies in Beijing with the most patent applications. Ranking top on the list of agencies for many years in trademark applications. Address, Beijing. 7th floor, SCI Tech Place. Number 22 Jiangwe Menawai Avenue, Beijing, 100004, China. Telephone, plus 86105920888. Fax plus 86105920858. Email, mail at unitalend.com. Website, 
www.unitalend.com. Page 46. Conference Advertisement. Events for sure. Global IP Confex. IP. Patent. Trademark. Copyright. Litigation. Translation. Patent Management. Privacy. Risk. Security. Compliance. AI. Technology. The Queen Elizabeth II Centre, Broad Sanctuary Westminster, London, SW1P3EE. Register now, www.eventsforsure.com slash GIPC2022 London. London, UK. September 28, 2022. In association with Vaultinum. Powered by Intonation. Language Service Provider. Prominent Sponsors, ASTW, Specialized Translation. VALIPY, Intellectual Property. Official Media Partner, The Global IP Matrix. Women's IP World. For more information visit www.eventsforsure.com or email info at eventsforsure.com. Contact us India, plus 91 124 4239815. UK, plus 44 23695 6451. US, plus 1 243. Page 47. Article. Disclaimer. Images and article reference links can only be seen in the print and digital versions of this magazine. James Bond bows down to Gems, Delhi High Court's take on trademark infringement in a decade-long suit. Written by Manisha Singh, partner, and Maliashree Sridharan, associate partner at Lexorbis in India. www.lexorbis.com Putting an end to a long-pending trademark infringement dispute of 17 years, Justice Pratiba M. Singh of the humble Delhi High Court on 26 July 2022 in the case of Mondelez India Foods Private. Limited vs Neeraj Food Products, permanently injuncted MS Neeraj Food Products, defendants, from using the mark name James Bond Jamie Bond for chocolate products which had an identical colour scheme, layout an arrangement as that of the plaintiff's well-known Cadbury Gems Gems products. The defendant's chocolate product with blue-purple packaging and multicolored buttons was identical to Mondelez India Foods Private Limited's, formerly Cadbury India Limited, product. Factual Summary of the Case The present suit was filed by Mondelez India Foods Private Limited, formerly Cadbury India Limited, in August 2005 seeking a permanent and mandatory injunction and damages for infringement of trademark and copyright, passing off, and unfair competition, amongst other reliefs. The plaintiff contended that it holds the trademark registrations for Cadbury Gems and Gems for Class 30 products. The plaintiff also had copyright registrations for the artistic works featuring the character Gems Bond that the plaintiff used to market and advertise its product. The plaintiff began its operations in 1947 and was the market leader in confectionery chocolate products worldwide, including in India. Some of the leading brands of the plaintiffs are Born Vita, Cadbury Dairy Milk, Cadbury Five Star, and Cadbury Perk. MS. Neeraj Food Products, the defendant herein, under the mark James Bond, 
launched a chocolate product with an identical color scheme, layout, and arrangement identical to the plaintiff's Cadbury Gems Gems products. The comparison of the packaging of both plaintiffs, on the left, and the defendant are as below. The defendant's packaging uses the terms James Bond 4 slash Jamie Bond with the same blue-purple base and colorful button chocolates. Further, in the defendant's product, the term James Bond is written in the brown background, which is nearly identical to the plaintiff's products. The entire color scheme of the defendant's product is identical to that of the label and packaging of the plaintiff. The marks would be considered to be confusingly and deceptively similar if one simply gives a quick glance. The pillow pack of the defendant is deceptively and confusingly similar to the pillow packs of the plaintiff's products. In addition to trademark registrations for its gems marks, the plaintiff also holds copyright registrations in its former name, MS. Hindustan Cocoa Products Limited, bearing registration numbers A5068090 and A4997589 for the artistic works with regards to a character known as Gems Bond a character used by the plaintiffs for promotion of its gems, branded products and during their promotion of the Cadbury Gems products. The plaintiff has also used the Gems Bond feature as shown. The defendant filed a written statement at an early stage of the suit, the main argument of his defense was that the label and marks were not identical or deceptively similar. The defendant had filed a trademark application in 2002 under Class 30 in respect of goods being all kinds of food products, including confectionery, churangoli, small digestive balls made with exotic digestive spices, herbs, and a variety of fruits, etc., with an alleged user claim of the year 1979. However, no advertisement documents were filed by the defendant in support of the user claim. Only a few catcher informal flimsy invoices, sales receipts invoices issued by local vendors which usually have no records neither in accounts books nor are these revealed for tax purposes, were attached as evidence which dated back to the year 2001-2002. Eventually, the plaintiff also filed ex-party evidence and supporting documents in support of its claims which were perused by the court. It is to be noted that the defendant had been irregular in its appearances before the court, contributing to the delay of the matter. The defendant had initially entered appearance, but later the defendant stopped appearing, and the matter proceeded ex parte. The case was first heard in 2005, and an interim injunction had been in force in the case since May 2007 in favor of the plaintiffs. Findings of the court The court was of the opinion that the case is residential ipsa loquitur, and the court further went on to point out the similar features between the rival products. The use of the impugned mark James Bond 4 slash Jamie Bond and the product packaging bearing the impugned mark amounts to infringement of the plaintiff's registered trademark Cadbury Gems Gems along with its copyright registrations which feature the character Gems Bond as shown above and also constitutes passing off. The plaintiffs started their business as early as 1947, and their earliest registration for the word mark Cadbury's Milk Chocolate Gems was 1968 in Class 30. The plaintiff's gems product is one of India's most popular and well-recognized products. Persons of every age have seen and tasted Cadbury gems. If one hears the term gems, they will only associate the products with the plaintiff. The court opined that the defendant had infringed a well-known trademark, label and packaging, which makes it a fit case for the award of damages as well. 
The judgments relied upon by the humble High Court while arriving at a decision herein were Corn Products Refining Company. V. Shangri-La Food Products Limited, 1960, 1 SCR 968, Powell Products, P. Limited. V. J. P. and Company, MISO, N. 1972 SC 1359, and ITC Limited, V.S. Britannia Industries Limited. 233, 2016, DLT 259. In all three cases, the main focus was that in deciding the similarity between the two marks, we have to approach it from the point of view of a person of average intelligence and imperfect recollection. It was also highlighted that where the product is eatable like a biscuit, the packaging's color and color scheme plays an important role in the consumer making an initial choice and in enabling a discerning consumer to locate the particular brand of a manufacturer. Conclusion A comparison of the defendant's infringing product and its packaging leaves no iota of doubt that it is a complete knockoff of the plaintiff's Cadbury Gems product and no one else. Further, the conceptualization of the defendant's James Bond is similar to the plaintiff's Gems Bond. Also, products sold by the plaintiff are not only in bigger packs but also in smaller pillow packs. The smallest selling unit of the plaintiff's product, i.e., the pillow pack, is even available for 5 rupees. The product's get-up, layout, and color combination of the packaging play a significant role at the point of purchase. Moreover, the court also observed that the chocolates are available for purchase not merely in big retail stores or outlets but also roadside shacks, street vendors, local neighborhood general stores and stalls outside schools, offices etc. Thus, there is an immense likelihood of confusion, particularly considering the targeted consumers are children who consume the product in both rural as well as urban areas. The products in question are chocolates confectionaries, while the target market is children, increasing the likelihood of confusion. Considering that the plaintiff's trademark is well known, the humble court was convinced that it is a fit case for the award of damages. In view of this violation of the plaintiff's rights, damages to the tune of 10 rupees larks and actual costs of Rs.1586, 928 were awarded in favour of the plaintiff. The judgment came after a long wait of 17 years which was full of twists and turns. Both parties also made attempts along the course of the suit proceedings for an amicable settlement, which, however, did not go through. But in the end, it looks like justice was served, albeit a little late. End of page 49. Half-page conference advertisement. Life Sciences Strategy Summit on IP and Exclusivity. 11th the 12th of October 2022. Munich, Germany. Protect your life sciences products, get up to date on the latest developments and techniques. View the agenda on our website. Event Highlights Attend our exclusive judicial panel session on the opening of the Unified Patent Court. Discover the latest update on the prospect of a unitary SPC and recent referral cases from our exclusive Pan-European Patent Office panel. Learn the latest updates on preliminary injunctions and how they relate to your overall litigation strategy. Join our pre-conference workshop sessions on the 10th of October to partake in practical and intimate discussions. Website, lssstrategysummit.com Page 50 Advertisement Lexorbis 
Intellectual Property Attorneys. Your most trusted IP partner. New Delhi, Mumbai, Bengaluru. Website, www.lexorbis.com. Email, mail at luxorbis.com. Telephone, plus 9111-237-16565. Page 51. Article. Common Terms in Pharmaceutical Trademarks. Written by Marietta Flores, IP Lawyer, and Kelly Sanchez, IP Lawyer at OMC Abogados and Consultors, in Peru. www.omcabogados.com.pe It is usual that pharmaceutical trademarks contain commonly used terms, so they are formed by the combination of elements such as prefixes, suffixes, or commonly used words that somehow evoke an idea about the properties of the product, its active principles, and its therapeutic function. They also may refer to a component of the medicine or the organ for which they are prescribed. Terms are commonly used for two reasons, either for being part of the several marks or evocative of the product or any of its features. By common usage, anyone is free to include them in a mark, provided that it is not confused with other marks of other owners. For example, a prefix commonly used in class 5 is corti, which evokes the active substance corticosteroid or the word cortisone. The prefix corti is present in the formation of numerous registered trademarks owned by different owners, such as cortiflex, cortiderm 10, cortimed, corticrem, and cortifenol.1, etc. The Court of Justice of the Andean community has established in a precedent that the prefixes, suffixes, roots, or endings commonly used in the marks cannot be subject to monopoly or exclusive use of a single person since they are familiar words which, if used by the general public can't be prohibited. Usually, it is argued that because the signs identify products that directly affect health and have consequences on the human body, the consumer will have a higher level of attention and special care when purchasing these pharmaceutical products. This has been recognized in diverse jurisprudence of Indicopi, which stated that in the case of pharmaceuticals referring to the signs in question, it is reasonable to assume that the consumer, when purchasing such products, would make a close examination based on their needs. 2. However, this is not enough to dismiss the risk of confusion because, in the pharmaceutical trademarks that share commonly used terms, whose names could prove to be very similar, the consumers themselves might be induced to confusion. For example, they may acquire a product in the belief that they are purchasing another, known as direct confusion, or they might think that the product has a distinct commercial origin from the real one, called indirect confusion. The Court of Justice of the Andean Community in the Process 08 IP 2013 has noted that what comes to protecting, by avoiding trademark confusion, is the health of the consumer who for confusion when asking for a product and negligence of the dispatcher, he may receive one with similar phonetic but different composition and purpose. If the requested product is intended for flu treatment and the delivered one is for the amebatic treatment, the consequences for the consumer can be dire. We must consider that what has been dominating in our countries is the culture of personal healing, according to which a large number of patients self-medicate because they have heard about a product in the advertisement or received an indication from a third person. It is not considered that every human has a different reaction to the same drug. Self-medication can lead to misleading or confusion at the time of acquisition because of the similarity between the two signs. 
This approach has been reiterated in several sentences of the Andean court, such as the Process 30 IP 2000, where it is stated. This court is inclined to the thesis that when regarding pharmaceutical trademarks, the examination of confusing similarity should have a more exhaustive study and analysis. Thus, avoiding the registration of trademarks whose names have a close similarity, to avoid precisely that the consumer requests a product instead of another, which in certain circumstances can cause irreparable damage to human health. Especially when in many establishments, even drugs of delicate use, are dispended without a prescription and only with just the advice of the pharmacist on duty. Also, in process no. 68 IP 2001, the same strictness was followed for the comparison between signs in the examination of confusing similarities. These arguments are based on the fact that the average consumer is not usually a specialist in chemicals and pharmaceutical issues, and the acquisition and use of these products will usually lack permanent professional assistance. It is therefore very important that pharmaceutical trademarks have additional elements added to the common term, whether figurative or verbal, with sufficient distinctiveness to identify and distinguish the commercial origin of the product to avoid the risk of confusion. Also to prevent the sign from becoming descriptive because that would make it not distinctive and therefore in consideration of the prohibition of registration of the Article 135 subparagraph E, of Decision 486 from the Andean community which would make their protection impossible, but mainly because we must safeguard the health and life of the consumers, fundamental rights that are superior to any intellectual property registration. Page 53. The Conference Corner Segment Page. Conference Corner. 2022 Voices of the Associations. This segment is for the IP event organizations and associations that we have media partnerships with worldwide. We are offering them the floor to keep you, our audience, up to date with future events and IP conference trends throughout the year, so you never miss any of these important events and seminars internationally. Mayor Cruz Villania. Ideas Trademark and Patents, Escazu. Costa Rica. Mariela de la Guardia, Icosa, Gonzalez Ruiz, Anolemon, Panama City, Panama. Eliza Triceri, Studio Torta SPA, Torino, Italy. John Rudolph, Eli Lilly and Company, Indianapolis, Indiana, USA. Members of INTA's Brand Restrictions Committee. The Global IP Matrix. Official Conference Media Partners. For 2023 Conference Media Partnerships contact, info at gipmatrix.com. Page 54. LIPW. A Cosmonauts event. London IP Week 5.0. Shaping Future Ideas. Use code NORTON20 for 20% off the ticket price. September 19, 2022. IP Commercialization Workshop 20 to September 21st Conference and Exhibition Etc. Venues, St. Paul's 200 Aldersgate Street, Barbican, London EC1A4HD Page 55 In Hot Water, The Global Spread of Brand Restrictions Written by Mercruz Valenia, Ideas Trademark and Patents, Iscazu, Costa Rica Mariela de la Guardia, Icosa, Gonzalez Ruiz, Anolemon, Panama City, Panama, Eliza Triceri, Studio Torta S, P.A., Torino, 
Italy, and Dr. John Rudolph, Eli Lilly and Company, Indianapolis, Indiana, USA. Ms. De La Guardia, Dr. Rudolph, Ms. Triceri, and Ms. Villania are members of INTA's Brand Restrictions Committee. As we know, the Earth's temperature is slowly rising due to climate change. If humanity does not confront this, the planet is in doom. Similarly, brand restrictions, BRs, have been gradually spreading around the world. Without action, brand owners may ultimately have to confront their doom. No doubt, brands globally are in hot water. Origin and background. Suppose you are a tobacco manufacturer, a wine or alcohol producer, a producer of baby formula, confectionery products, or beverages. In that case, it is important to know that your brands are under a lot of scrutiny around the world and may end up being impacted by BRs. These restrictions have heavily impacted the tobacco industry with the most draconian form of restriction known as plain packaging, PP. It is important to look back in time to understand and help explain the basis for BRs and the policies behind them. The first reference to PP dates to 1976 in France when the company Carrefour decided to market a series of free products. These were wrapped in white packaging, and the idea behind this was to promote austerity. As such, it was a choice of the brand owner with respect to its packaging. Around 1990, the World Health Organization, WHO, started a campaign to combat non-communicable diseases, or NCDs, which are not transmitted from one person to another, yet have become a burden on social and economic development in many countries around the world. The principal NCDs are cardiovascular diseases, obesity, cancer, chronic respiratory disease, diabetes, and mental and neurological conditions. All NCDs share the following risk factors, tobacco, alcohol, air pollution, unhealthy diet, and physical inactivity. One of the key drivers of BRs is the perception that health is directly related to trademarks and branding. The issue was discussed at the 7th World Conference on Tobacco and Health held in Australia in 1990. One of the most significant comments from this conference was, given the importance of package designs in the promotion of tobacco products, this conference endorses the concept of a mandatory plain packaging of all tobacco products and urges all countries to include plain packaging in their tobacco control legislation. Trademarks serve as indicators of origin and quality, representing the goodwill or reputation of a business, its products, and or its services. Consumers and trademark owners rely on trademarks to identify products and distinguish them from similar products in the market. Unsurprisingly, tobacco companies fundamentally opposed the implementation of PP based on, among other things, the fact that there was no evidence that plain packaging did or could improve health outcomes. Additionally, PP expropriates private trademark rights without the right to economic compensation, increases the ease of smuggling and counterfeiting of products, and facilitates non-compliance with the international obligations of countries, i.e., TRIPS and GATT. By 2012, however, PP began to be implemented in legislation in many countries, with Australia introducing the first such legislation in the world, namely the Tobacco Plain Packaging Act 2011. Tobacco is not alone. It is widely known that the tobacco industry is rigorously regulated in most countries. Some strong measures for tobacco products are the PP of cigarette packs, the application of minimum prices or the increase of taxes, 
and the placement of pictograms and health warnings on tobacco packs. Reaching beyond the package, a BR proposal has been made in Canada to introduce written health warnings printed on individual cigarettes, cigars with filters, and cigarette tubes. Recently, Panama has passed a law banning the use, import, and marketing of electronic nicotine administration systems, electronic cigarettes, vaporizers, tobacco heaters and other similar devices, with or without nicotine. Mexico has also issued a decree that prohibits the circulation and marketing of vapes and electronic cigarettes. Some consequences of these measures are an increase in illicit trade in cigarettes, smuggling, and the non-payment of taxes. Further, money is generated from cigarette smuggling finances and other illicit trades such as drug trafficking, gangs, money laundering, terrorism, and other crimes. These products do not comply with the minimum obligations of legal tobacco products, such as the mandatory laboratory test for the toxicology of ingredients and chemicals, consequently creating health risks to consumers. In the food and beverage industries, BRs have been implemented in many countries, such as Argentina, Chile, Mexico, Uruguay, and the United Kingdom. They are under discussion in many more countries across the globe. In some countries, trademarks on the packaging are marginalized in favor of predominant nutritional symbols or colors to identify food products that contain high sugar, sodium, saturated fat, and or caffeine. Also squeezing out trademarks are tables showing the percentages of the daily value, DV, per reference amount or serving size. In Chile and Mexico, trademark characters are banned on all food products with high amounts of sugar. In some countries, such as the Dominican Republic, baby formula advertising has been banned to promote breastfeeding. Also, in the formula industry, Kenya has introduced strict measures for the labeling of feeding bottles and teat and pacifier packages, diminishing trademark use for the purpose of including warnings that use of product can have negative effects. Foreseen impacts on the industry. The implementation of BR policies has been growing over the last decade, leaving a negative impact on consumers and brand owners, all without any scientific evidence that the measures put in place will achieve the stated goals and without a genuine and open dialogue with the private sector to jointly fight NCDs. Indeed, far from creating any benefits, PP or BRs can, in fact, confuse consumers, leading them to consider that the product in PP has not been authorized by the relevant country authorities. As mentioned above, in Chile and Mexico, the use of branding characters on the packaging of products high in sugars, fat, or calories is illegal because, according to the authorities of these countries, they encourage the consumption of foods that may be harmful to children if consumed in excess. Defenders of such measures invoke the rationale that they protect the children by requiring the removal of labeling elements that may, in their view, attract their attention. Still, at the same time, they also defend the incorporation of technical elements that children are not able to read, much less understand. In this way, the concepts of the buyer, parents, and consumer, children, are mixed inappropriately to affect the content of containers and packaging without any consideration of the specific addressee and the way in which the decisions to purchase these types of products are made. Measures such as PP or BR set parameters that are not adequate to protect consumers and, in turn, threaten the distinctive power of trademarks, preventing the complete and easy differentiation of substitute products in the market. As a result, 
these measures undermine the economic function of the goodwill in a trademark because the products constrained by BRs or PP fail to be recognized and preferentially positioned in the market. KPMG 2016, Illicit Tobacco in Australia 2015 Full Year Report Lundras Does it work? According to INTA's June 2021 report, Brand Restrictions Study a view from Gen Zers and Millennials, trademarks make shopping easier and safer for consumers and brands are consistently found to provide quality indicators of trustworthiness and reliability. In fact, the study found that the removal of branding elements reduced consumer trust in the same product and that brands make the choice of products safer for the public. Another finding from the study was that brands are more trusted than governments, 7 in 10 consumers trust brands globally compared to 4 in 10 who trust governments. Most consumers feel that more information should be available to make healthy choices, rather than governments making the choices for them. As mentioned, in some Latin American countries, labels have been required to be marked with high in. Or other brand restrictions on the food labels of food products that have been linked to high calorie intake. Studies on the impact of these types of BR on labels in these countries show that in the beginning, e.g., the first year, the effects of the inclusion of high-end labels produce a short-term effect of reducing the consumption of such products. Over time, however, it has been found that consumers find it difficult to orient their decisions taking into account the information on the label since more than 60% of foods carry this type of warning. Universidad de Chile 2019 Cambio en la composición de productos y en los hábitos de compra, los efectos de la ley de etiquetado, this suggests that, in the long term, such BRs are not achieving the health impact expected, putting in doubt their value. Indeed, the recent move in Canada to print a warning label on each individual cigarette where PP and graphic images on packaging have existed for a while suggests the lack of efficacy of these BR measures. Finally, there is growing survey data and information that shows that the use of BRs in different industries has not reduced the consumption of the targeted products. Yet, according to Marketing Restrictions 2021, a global brand impact analysis and market research report on attitudes to brands and marketing, issued by Brand Finance, the estimated potential loss for companies, through loss of employment, revenue, etc. Due to BRs may exceed 500 billion US dollars. What does the industry think? Registered trademarks are the private intellectual property, IP, of their owners, and the net effect of plain packaging and BR legislation amounts to an expropriation of that private property. A WTO panel, which was created in response to Australia's Tobacco Plain Packaging Act 2011 and at the request of the Dominican Republic, noted that TRIPS do not provide for positive rights to exploit or use a particular object of IP rights, rather, TRIPS only provides for negative rights to prevent infringing acts. This WTO view gives members the freedom to pursue BRs as having legitimate public policy objectives since such measures fall outside the scope of the TRIPS rights and do not require an exception under the TRIPS agreement. That's why the panel suggested governments should focus more on this view of the purpose of the TRIPS agreement and its related treaties. Trademark owners argue that, when understood in its correct context, TRIPS protect private property rights and free global trade, ensures that consumers can distinguish between lawful products being offered for sale in an open marketplace and that owners can enforce their trademarks in cases of infringement. 
Regardless of the trip's provisions or the comments of one panel, there are several countries, in which BIAs have been implemented, where trademark registration does, in fact, grant a positive right to use the registered mark and a defense to a claim of trademark infringement. Such positive rights that embed the notion of proprietary rights in trademarks are of fundamental importance to brand owners and are, themselves, a goal that should be pursued globally. As confirmed by findings in the Brand Finance Report, brands drive innovation and are a mark of quality which helps consumers make informed choices. Brands support important social causes and help bring about change. Brands are the backbone of the global economy, especially in times of crisis. Brands represent a way to secure the industry's innovation, and Randy Investments state the Global Innovation Index 2020 who will finance innovation. On average, firms that invest more in innovation invest more in branding. It is an important way for firms to secure returns on their Randy investments. BRs damage businesses by reducing brand value. BRs also affect jobs. In the EU, for example, 38.9% of all employment is directly or indirectly attributed to IP rights-intensive industries, according to key findings of IPR-intensive industries and economic performance in the European Union, 2019. Worse still, they promote illicit trade. Besides harming a trademark's effective economic value and the roles of protecting consumers and fostering fair competition, BRs also eliminate the ability of brand owners to communicate about their innovative products or support certain causes. For example, what about the freedom for a brand to use rainbow symbols to support the DEI cause? What is INTA doing? For years, INTA has advocated globally about the negative impact of BRs. Its position on the matter is established through a board resolution, from which all policy and education initiatives stem. A dedicated brand restriction committee has been established to lead the association's global advocacy, working to help officials and governmental bodies understand the negative impact of BRs on IP, brands, the economy, and consumers. There must be a balance between public health policies and trademark rights based on compelling and credible quantifiable, scientific, evidence. Industry must reinforce its rejection of BRs that erode the value of their brands and instead collaborate, partner, and work hand-in-hand -hand with governments to seek appropriate measures to address health and safety policies that do not violate international and national laws. Governments can achieve their goals required in the fight against NCDs, but that can be accomplished by working together with the private sector in the implementation of intersectorial plans to educate, promote, self-educate, and even reform products' ingredients, rather than by implementing aggressive brand restriction policies that deprive owners of their trademark rights and their ability to communicate innovative products. INTA urgently welcomes brands globally to join its advocacy efforts. Things are heating up. Page 59. Conference Explainer Article. Disclaimer, images relating to this article can only be seen in the print and digital versions of this magazine. IP Week in Singapore 2022. IP Week at SG 2022. Join us at IP Week at SG 2022, the premier IP event that brings together global IP leaders, thought leaders, legal experts, and innovative enterprises to discuss IP strategies for growth. In its 11th edition, IP Week at SG 2022 returns on 6, the 7th of September 2022 at Singapore's Marina Bay Sands Expo and Convention Centre. 
The event will feature the Signature Global Forum for Intellectual Property, GFIP, where senior business leaders, policymakers, heads of IP offices, legal experts, and academics converge. Themed ideas to assets, charting our future with IP, you will gain insights on how IP can accelerate national economic growth strategies and support businesses in their innovation journeys. Amid a landscape of digitalization and global innovation, topics featured will discuss the role of IP in artificial intelligence, NFTs, sustainability, and more. Other highlights include the IP Marketplace, the WePoIPO's IP for Innovation Awards and associated events. Don't miss these exciting activities, join us and chart your future with IP now. Enterprises can glean insights from the world's IP thought leaders who will share current global perspectives on pressing IP issues of the day facing enterprises around the world. Mrs. Rena Lee, Chief Executive, Intellectual Property Office of Singapore. Global Forum on Intellectual Property, GFIP. The Global Forum on Intellectual Property, GFIP, will discuss key IP issues for the global economy and enterprises. Keynote IP Leaders Plenary, Charting Our Future with IP. Emerging from a global pandemic, the IP sector and ecosystem have proved to be remarkably resilient, with innovation and IP activities on the rise. 2021 saw global IP filings crossing a record high of 17 million, a 13% increase from the previous year. With this backdrop, leaders from IP offices worldwide, including the World Intellectual Property Organization, WIPO, Director General Darren Tang, will discuss how IP offices can enhance collaboration to chart our future with IP at the keynote plenary. Unpacking an intangible future, an art or science. The global value of intangible assets, IA, has grown by over 20% in the past two years to reach $74 trillion in 2021. There is a need to level up our ability to unlock the value of IA, including IP. Our traditional business management methods in accounting, financing, valuation and auditing sufficient to support an IA-powered global economy. Why do global discrepancies in the management and unpacking of IA persist? This session provides insights on harnessing IA as the new engine of growth. Of avatars and cryptos, IP in a brave new, virtual, world. The metaverse is estimated to be worth $800 billion by 2024, up from $500 billion in 2020. With technology giants, luxury brands, financial services, and retail and consumer goods boldly venturing into these new areas, the urge to jump on the bandwagon is now more compelling than ever. Hear from the pioneers and leaders on the IP implications in the new world of blockchain, NFTs, and the metaverse. Patenting through machines, invention or idea. The rise of artificial intelligence, AI, has placed the spotlight on key legal and IP implications. For example, can computer software and computer-implemented services be considered patentable inventions? Hear from leading practitioners and gain insights on the nature of patents in key legal decisions across various jurisdictions. Innovating to zero, subtracting carbon, adding IP. It is high time for countries and companies to zero in and act if we are to achieve net zero emissions. Can IP accelerate our efforts to fight climate change? Find out as IP experts discuss how IP can help businesses drive environment, social, 
and governance-focused initiatives for sustainability. From startup to unicorn, unleashing the IP. How can startups reach the billion-dollar club? What are some of the IP challenges and needs unique to startups? A solid business strategy incorporating IA and IP-related strategies could provide the competitive advantage to build the unicorn of tomorrow. Gain tips from leading enterprises, incubators, and accelerators on taking your business from startup status to a unicorn with the strategic use of IP. Of swords and shields, winning in business through IP analytics. Big data, as well as advances in data analytics and machine learning, have transformed industries around the world. Governments and firms invest billions into RAND-D as they compete to innovate and develop new business advantages. Yet, there remains untapped potential in the vast trove of IP and technical data. Between 2015 and 2020, there were over 130 million published patent documents. How can the strategic use of IP data drive growth for businesses to stay ahead of the curve? Competing or collaborating through standard setting, friend or foe. The race for 5G and 6G has shifted geographically to Asia, with Chinese companies accounting for about 35% of the 38,000 6G-related patent applications globally. It is game on for innovators seeking to trailblaze the market through 5G and 6G standard settings. This panel brings together global leaders to explore the issues around the race to set 6G standards and the associated standard essential patents. How can IP help set the standards for the future of connectivity? From great resignation to great hire. In search of innovation skills. Global enterprises are constantly competing in a race for the best minds in innovation. The Singapore IP survey in 2021 found that the top three industries that required employees with IP skills were manufacturing, lifestyle and essential services. How can IP and innovation skills value add to businesses and support their internationalization plans? Learn about the importance of upskilling and reskilling to create a future-ready workforce. Banking on intangibles, the future of financing. The global economy is increasingly powered by intangible assets, IA, with IA accounting for 90% of corporate value among the SAND P500 companies. Studies have found that investment in intangibles, including IP, yields better firm performance, productivity and growth. Intangible intensive companies have also been more resilient to economic shocks. Learn more about the future of financing and what it would take for enterprises and innovators to effectively bank on their intangible assets. Going on record with copyright and trade secrets. Non-registrable IP and intangible assets such as trade secrets, copyrights and data are increasingly critical drivers of business growth. From a study in 2021, three in four senior executives felt that trade secrets were an important, if not essential, part of their business. How can enterprises and innovators better protect, manage, and use these non-registrable IP and intangible assets? This panel will identify the due recognition for non-registrable IP, and their critical role in business growth. Taking a stand on IP disputes with expert evidence. Expert evidence plays an important, and sometimes pivotal, role in IP disputes. Despite the integral role of technical subject matter experts and valuation experts in the dispute resolution process, the roles and responsibilities of an expert witness are often shrouded in mystery or simply misunderstood. 
As one of the world's leading cross-border dispute resolution centers, this panel will examine the impact of these changes on IP disputes anchored in Singapore. Hear from renowned speakers and more. IP Marketplace The IP Marketplace returns for the first time in two years. Held on the 6th and the 7th of September, IP experts, fellow participants and the IP community can converge at the IP Marketplace. Do not miss out on the opportunity to meet and connect with them. New Go Business IP eAdvisor Tool Pre-Launch Demonstration Catch a glimpse of the New Go Business IP eAdvisor Tool in action at the IP Marketplace. The new advisor tool identifies IP needs and connects users to the right IP experts so that users can protect or commercialize their business IP with ease. Please get involved and share your feedback with us. Launch of IP Start Program Find out how you can give your business a solid head start with the IP Start Program. The IP Marketplace will host a fireside chat with two startup founders on how they navigated obstacles by anticipating their IP needs. Highlights Live interviews with IP experts Presentations by exhibitors Conversations on IP hot topics Networking opportunities and more. WePoIPO's IP for Innovation Awards 2022. The winners of this year's WePoIPO's IP for Innovation Awards will be announced at IP Week at SG 2022. Jointly organized by the Intellectual Property Office of Singapore, IPOs, and the World Intellectual Property Organization, WePo, the awards seek to recognize and celebrate the Singapore enterprises that have achieved outstanding growth through their successful use of IA and IP. This year, we seek champions who have emerged stronger with their IP and inspire others through being forward-looking, resilient and adaptable in challenging times. They effectively used their IA and IP to innovate, transform and grow their business. Registration Global IP Matrix readers are entitled to a special 50% discount, valid till 28 August 2022, for the registration fee. Enter promo code IPWMGIM. Register now at www.ipweek2022.sg. Page 62. Advertisement. The Global IP Matrix Magazine. Intellectual property news direct from the source. Power is gained by sharing knowledge, not hoarding it. To share your news, views and stories. Contact us today at info at gipmatrix.com or call us at plus 440-203-8130-457. www.gipmatrix.com Page 63. Conference Explainer Article. Disclaimer, images relating to this article can only be seen in the print and digital versions of this magazine. IP Service World 2022, 12th edition. Written by Elena Backhouse, Senior Project Manager Sales, Management Circle AG and Daniela Bopp, Senior Conference Manager, Management Circle AG. Just a few weeks ago, the IP Service World team released the brand new program for this year's event, which gives an excellent opportunity to take a closer look at the convention and trade fair which will take place on November 21st and 22nd, 2022 in Munich. Established in 2010, the IP service world has become one of the most important unions of the IP sector in Europe. 
It is an annual highlight in the calendar of many IP professionals. So, what is special about this event? Michael Golwitzer, Head of Corporate Intellectual Property Support at Siemens AG, and moderator at the conference, puts it this way, IP Service World is the unique event where it is possible to get a quick overview of the latest developments and trends in the IP service sector and to talk to all major IP service providers. For whom is the event worthwhile? Let's be honest, managing an IP portfolio is a complex task. No company or law firm is able to do everything in-house. One challenge is to decide what should be done in-house and what can better be done with the help of service providers. The IP Service World 2022 gives IP professionals a state-of-the-art overview of what is available in the marketplace today. At this unique platform of a combined conference and trade exhibition, the participants from the industry shall find tailor-made support for their particular needs and compare the different solutions directly on-site. Within two days, the participants get to know the best practice solutions for any aspect of professional IP management. Participants will get to hear captivating keynote speeches. They will take part in individual round-table discussions. They will be able to compare the different solutions by listening to various lecture panels. IP professionals will learn innovative ways of organizing their IP management, raising efficiency and reducing costs, without downsizing their IP protection. Participants get inspired by leading IP experts contributing to the event and have the opportunity to discuss requests and experiences with providers and colleagues. A trade fair with an exciting evening event, networking at the highest level. Piaina Sana, Head of Sales and Marketing at GSI Office Management and member of the IP Service World Advisory Board, states that, IP Service World is the ideal event to stay tuned with the latest IP services worldwide and to network with leading IP experts. The best practice presentations and roundtables from different companies are always worth attending. IP Service World is Europe's largest IP convention and trade fair. Around 700 decision-makers from leading companies of the world come together to make new business connections, revitalize former contacts and most importantly, find best practice solutions for any aspect of professional IP management. With over 70 exhibitors and more than 30 international speakers, the event provides a systematic overview of all relevant IP solution providers. With more than 20 hours of networking, be it over a delicious coffee from our barista bike, laughing about some funny patents displayed on our wall or while having your shoes cleaned at the shoeshine booth, these are all ample networking opportunities offered within the trade show itself. What if you not only want to meet these high-caliber speakers from our international organizations but also be a part of their team? Then the job wall is for you, look for the perfect opportunity to expand your career, it's located right in the middle of the exhibition. And the IP experts know how to enjoy themselves as well. So, one highlight of the conference is undoubtedly the evening events, one of them taking place in the halls of Munich's oldest brewery, the Augustina Original Building in the heart of the city. It's already a tradition for all attendees and speakers to enjoy an evening full of Bavarian culinary highlights and hospitality there. As Christian Hearing, Head of Marketing, Co-Hose, and Florak, and member of the advisory board, says, every year, my colleagues, and I look forward to the varied IP Service World program and the exhibitors' innovations. And of course, to the nice people and the relaxed atmosphere, especially at the evening event. This year's topics. 
According to Beat Rauber, Global Quality Manager Group Patents of F. Hoffman Laroche, IP Service World is the leading event to be at the forefront of IP management information developments. Let's look at some of this year's keynote speakers and their topics. Hans Joseph Wolf, IP Manager for BSFSE, has the opening keynote on Let's Get Ready for the Unitary Patent Court. Professor Dr. Sebastian Hallman, Chair of Government Political Economy of China at the University of Trier, will speak on a new Cold War. What to expect from the new era of geopolitical tensions and technological decoupling. The second conference day gets kicked off with a keynote by Georgina Wilkins, Head of Intellectual Property Strategy of Hitachi Energy, with the topic Making Manda More Manageable, How to Implement Tools to Determine and Detangle Risk. A fool with a tool is still a fool amid all the vendors at the trade fair, the title of Andre Ailish's keynote may sound a bit provocative. Still, Ailish, head of intellectual property at the Phoenix Contact Group, explains how important it is to bring employees along with you when adopting new tools. Dominic Rauch and Thomas Kimpfbeck, German and European patent attorneys, will share the experience they had on their digital transformation in IP at Rody and Schwartz. A humorous look at the topic of digitization will conclude the conference. Peter Bandel explains what companies can learn from pilots and how they can survive digitalization. IP Service World 2022, a hybrid event. The next best thing to being at the event is, of course, to take part digitally. So, to give everybody the chance to listen to our keynotes and lecture panels and to meet our exhibitors, you can also choose to attend the digital version of the IP service world. The attendees will benefit from a digital IP meeting point for knowledge exchange, product demonstrations, and virtual connection. Live chats, video calls, matches and appointment making are integrated features. The exhibitors enlarge their visibility through a digital showroom, and the keynotes and all lecture panels will be streamed online. The workshop, trademark and metaverse, the next big thing. After two packed conference days, for those who would like to focus more on the topic of trademarks, the workshop day on November 23, 2022, is the ideal opportunity. Experts from Questel Venture look into the future and dedicate their workshop to the topic of the future of trademark protection, online, offline and in the metaverse. Online brand protection for NFT marketplaces is also an exciting aspect during the day. Same page. Conference Corner Advertisement. Conference Corner. If you would like to share up-to-date news regarding your conference or event seminar then please email info at gipmatrix.com. Contact us today for 2023 Conference Media Partnerships. The Global IP Matrix Magazine. Your official conference media partners. Page 66. Conference Advertisement Europe's Largest IP Convention and Trade Fair 12th Edition IP Service World 700-plus attendees 30-plus international speakers 20-plus hours of networking 74-plus exhibitors Convention and Trade Fair 21st and the 22nd of November 2022 TM Workshop 23rd of November. Matchmaking, find your perfect partners and arrange meetings. www.ipserviceworld.com Page 67. 
Inside Back Cover Advertisement HGF Global Expertise from a European Base Austria, France, Germany, Ireland, Netherlands, Switzerland, and United Kingdom HGF offers a fully integrated IP solution, bringing together patent attorneys, trademark attorneys, design attorneys, IP solicitors and attorneys at law across 22 offices throughout Europe. Financial Times, Statista, Europe's leading patent law firms 2022. HGF.com LinkedIn, HGF Limited Twitter, at HGF underscore IP Page 68 Outside Back Cover Advertisement Patent Seekers, the Global IP Searchers Specialist Global Search Services for Patent Attorneys, Universities, Technology Companies, and SMEs Services Patentability Slash Novelty Search Infringement Slash FTO Slash Clearance Invalidity Slash Patent Busting State of the Art Patent Mapping Slash Landscapes Patent Monitoring Patent Status Competitor Analysis Head Office Newport, UK Telephone Number Plus 44016338166601. Email, mail at patentseekers.com. North America Office. Toronto, Canada. Telephone number plus 1416-847-739. Email, na at patentseekers.com. Website, www.patentseekers.com. You have been listening to the Global IP Matrix Magazine Issue 14. We hope you have enjoyed this non-intrusive listening experience. If you are a law firm or IP business, please make sure to contact us today with your news and stories to be involved with future editions of our international magazine. Contact us on telephone number 0044-0203-813-0457 or email info at gipmatrix.com.